I have begun my recording. I have begun my recording just after Dustin began his recording. You should say something now. <laughs> I am saying something now. Jake okay. just said that he started his recording. <laughs> That's enough for me to go I off realize, I realize what you want me to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, um, I actually decided to go back and get all those files from when me and you and Jack did an episode together about nothing yeah. that was kind of a mess from start to finish i was good i put them all together and was trying to see you know if it was worth still releasing um yeah but just trying to line up all of the <laughs> us trying to talk at the beginning and get it synced properly was a headache i'm sure and i was trying so hard in that episode to make it work because i really wanted to talk about the muppets like, right and then just we talked about everything but the Muppets. Right. Let's keep this conversation going because if I do release it, then I will put it out shortly before this one. So, like, it'll be relevant if anyone listened to it. Yeah. So, but like, I don't was, remember now because it's been so yeah, long. Like, I, I don't know, know what else we talked weird. about. Yeah. But, like, uh, I don't know. It was a mess from the start because you had an idea and I put no effort into this idea to, like, turn it into an episode. Yeah, not only you were play actively playing defense against my idea, because like I had an idea, you not only didn't do any work for it, you then went, "What if we throw in Jack for no reason?" And he sure as hell isn't going to do any prep for it. So well, then it was right. Like, well, he talked to me like an hour before we started recording. I was just like, "Hey, we're going to do this. You want to like call in?" And I didn't know what his history with the Muppets was, and then like I don't know, and I didn't know that an episode of just hey, aren't the Muppets great for an hour was going to be entertaining at all? <laughs> well, now, they now are, they're on obviously. Disney Plus. There's a whole, there's a whole thing uh, with the Muppets. Uh, for those, you know, you don't know, if you don't know, we may have covered this in the episode he's talking about that may not even get released, but <laughs> uh, Jack is our cousin. Uh, he's fantastic. He's uh, younger than us. Uh, he officiated my wedding. Um, he, you know, we we both really like him and thought to involve him in this this show um, we just, you know, knew better than to assume he was going to do any actual prep for it. It was a spur of the moment thing. He didn't have any time to do prep. Or or stick to a topic instead of just, just pulling shit out of his ass. Like, And it was our, coming shortly after our first, like, quarantine episode or whatever. Yeah. So it's just like, let's just do that again. Let's just talk nothing. And we'll be funny twice in a row. That'll happen. I just remember doing a lot of, like, Googling throughout the episode of, like, I tried to explain something and either at least he didn't know what I meant and maybe you didn't either. And, like, just a lot of, like, here, look at this. And, like, having to share my screen and be like, this is the thing I'm talking about. Like, um, so. But that, what, Jake's doing a weird thing with his ears. I'm getting, like, electroshocked. Some weird shit's going on. I took off my jacket and I think static electricity went through the headphones and it was oh, popping. Lovely. <laughs> we uh, we had a uh, charger that the robot vacuum went over one too many times and we picked it up the other day and it was glowing. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is Yikes. not good. Like, yeah. So we had to replace that, of course. Mm-hmm. So hi, everyone. Um, I'm Jake. <laughs> I'm Dustin. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I think like November. No, it's funny. We should not like time date when this is because we started the Beauty and the Beast episode going like, yeah, the elections, you know, they're calling the last few states now. Like, and it was released in January. So you're right. So then there was an insurrection. We didn't. You know. Oh, yeah. I actually released it like the day after that. And we're just like, yeah. great. <laughs> no one's going to pay attention to this part of social media right now. <laughs> 
So. This week, if we want to date things, <laughs> this week the big thing was uh, the canceling Doctor th- Seuss. Well, that too, and I wanted to get into that anyway because the is movie stupid. had a warning in front of it. Oh, um, sure, but yeah. anyway, and so that it did at least tie in. But before we get into any of that, uh, this week in Trump Stupid, uh, there's a group of his this. followers. We went through. I know five there's years a group of, of his followers that thought since March fifth was the date of the original inauguration or whatever until they moved it to january that he was right. going to be the true president on that day and there was going to be some sort of weird shadow ceremony it was, who the hell knows like michael scott declaring bankruptcy basically anyway we uh, haven't recorded in a while and and so what we do is try to put as as many uh you know time specific things in here to make <laughs> this whatever the opposite of evergreen is we, we try to make sure our show is the most deciduous as possible <laughs> like, that's that's a tree joke, everybody. <laughs> I hope you remember your you know elementary school bio uh, bi- yeah biology. <laughs> I learned recently from a quiz bowl question that your baby teeth are actually called deciduous teeth. Like that's because <laughs> they fall out. I guess. Um, huh. Any anyway though, uh, in the entertainment industry, an evergreen section is a thing that's good at any time, right? You could if it's not really pertinent to any sort of pop culture thing it could be talked about right. at any moment and our show is <laughs> frequently the opposite of that at the beginning yeah it's true well you and know because gotta... our talking snack segments right. are always about like hey you know what was the thing we were eating three right. months ago like, you know what promotional item took the world by storm in march <laughs> yeah, basically when, who knows when you're listening to this you could be listening at any time we have recently corresponded with a you know a big fan of ours uh named grace pace who emailed us and was saying they were they got super into our show and was hopping around and listening to different episodes. You may have noticed we have new uh, cover art for our podcast that was provided for us by Grace Pace. So thank you for that. And uh, I hope our really dated references don't make it confusing to listen to out of order like that. But, you know, whatever. That's podcasts. So as far as we know, not counting ourselves, we have three listeners now, or three people who have listened at some point, not even necessarily current listeners. Special guest Jack was, you know, a fan himself. Oh well, yeah, I wasn't even going to count him even. I was just going to say, like, uh, the guy, our friend in Australia, uh, who, who interviewed who's, us Whose website time. is not around anymore. Right. Exactly. So, you know, hope, hope you're all right, man. Um I hope you stuck around for the Rescuers Down Under episode <laughs> yeah, and got all of our Australian uh, trivia knowledge that we knew <laughs> in that one. If you haven't, checked out that one in the archives if you haven't already. We know a whole lot about Australia. Clearly. We couldn't think of you uh, fucking Jackman. <laughs> we, we, thought of, we thought of Keith Urban before we thought of him. In the list before, of famous, yeah, Australians. famous Australians. Yeah, that something, was not good. Something just banged on your end. <laughs> it was me, yeah. <laughs> At, at, at I'm one. over here banging. Um, yeah. Uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. So anyway, our Australian friend, whoever uh, gave us five stars that time, yeah. and now and now our latest listener review. So, yeah, you know, it's only taken us six years, but <laughs> five. Well, whatever. By the time this gets released, but the point is, we're very popular, and you, this <laughs> episodes, great episodes like this, are why because we've spoken for twelve minutes and haven't said the name of the movie we're reviewing. But it's Aladdin. Everybody, we're on a massive stretch of wildly commercial, commercial and critical success here in the '90s. Um, this is the third and sadly final film that was scored by. Uh, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman, because Howard Ashman sadly passed away in the production of this movie. But uh, yeah, early the, on, right? Yeah, 
like ni- 91 he died uh movie was released in 92 but yeah, we you know we saw the their their portfolio leading up to this has been incredible since they started with Little Mermaid and then followed that up with Beauty and the Beast and now Aladdin. Like those are even going through all of Disney catalog and we'll see in our rankings if this really holds true. But those have got to be all in the top five Disney movies, right, of all time, surely. Oh, for sure, at least and very the, close. And it was just a breath of fresh air for the the franchise to bring in a. Uh, these Broadway guys and change, you know, make, make the, improve the quality of the music to make it, right. You know, more, more, have more of, I'll get this out in a second, have more <laughs> of an artistic impact. Um, We're a little rusty. Rather than, right. Rather than like, hey, we got Billy Joel, we'll have him sing a song, exactly. I guess. like Yeah, that's what I was going to say is the previous film before all the success was uh, fucking Oliver and Company and how much of that music do you remember? Right. Although, uh, to talk again about rescuers down under uh while there's not like a song in that that stands out the like all the like you know the score of the movie is really cool like you've got didgeridoos and you've got you know atmospherically the you know the the sound of the movie uh kind of puts you in the what i imagine the outback to be sure just didgeridoos and french horns going wild (laughs) that is now we're not in the outback we are in arabia allegedly <laughs> all the cast is white arabian but, you know <laughs> right arabian nights right from the start yeah mm-hmm. we're in arabia and this film i mean what can you say about aladdin like this was the first one that was like felt like a fucking franchise when i was a kid like i mean i know disney has all its fucking movies and around that time yeah they were starting to pump out the sequels and starting to pump out the cartoons but this would have been the first one to get sequels if you don't count the rescuers um and to get its own TV series and, like, the fucking, there was video games, uh, you know, which I didn't play then, but I know, I feel like most people in our generation would have been playing, you know, Lion King and Aladdin and stuff on Super Nintendo or Genesis or whatever. We we went straight from regular Nintendo to PlayStation and kind of skipped that whole generation as a family, but I that feel like true. that was still the state of things. Yes, and going from like Mario three to Crash Bandicoot, <laughs> it's uh, quite a was leap. Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, or you know, Tecmo Super Tecmo, Bowl yeah. to to Game Day, whichever ninety eight year that was. Obviously, yeah. I oh, wow. probably still have it in a drawer over there. Um, <laughs> that one was the most difficult to comprehend, and that was like the game we got with our PlayStation two. It was just like, yeah, hey, it's football, and it's like, oh god. There's not a button that just says pass, so right, and you can like figure can, out a bunch of shit. You can change the weather, and you can do all kinds of crazy stuff. There was season modes and all those like Super Bowl matchups you could do. Right, that's that's yeah. It had all these like classic teams and all all star teams of like the greatest Dallas Cowboys ever. And like what? <laughs> I don't know. It was very exciting. We could like, I I remember hooking that up on Christmas Day and playing it in whatever oh, yeah. year that was. Ninety eight, I assume. <laughs> And that, along with whatever shitty airplane fighting game I got. Oh, yeah. And the terrible, like, uh, NASCAR racing game that we We played played the shit out of that. (laughs) We did. We weren't ever good at it, but we sure played it. Andretti Racing, I believe. Yes, that's it. And maybe it's not shitty. Maybe we just suck. But I'm certain we did. (laughs) We definitely sucked. In in our defense, like, we are not, like, racing people. No. um, That's fair. You know, my son's favorite show to watch on on Disney Plus is anything cars related. Mm-hmm. Um, 
um, Lightning Queen um, is what he <laughs> usually calls queen. it. Um, but all the shorts that are cars and then all the, you know, the movies and just the only thing I know about racing like is from Smokey and the Bandit and from Ricky Bobby. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Any, I don't know any car stuff. Shake and bake. That's what you <laughs> right, got to do. Exactly. It rhymes. They're both verbs. <laughs> I was I'm the magic say... man. Now you see me. Now you don't. That's an awesome nickname. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. That movie's stupid. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, we watched that Heavy Metal Mater or whatever you were oh, talking about. Oh, that's his favorite one, Dadgum, Dadgum. Yeah. That was pretty good stuff. The, there's a pro wrestling one, too, that's pretty good. Yeah, we saw that, too. We watched all of them one night. I don't remember yeah, all, any of them now. All day long. I want to watch yeah. Lightning Queen. Yeah. Mickey Mouse Roadsters is what he's always saying, what Jamie's always saying. I told him he should be excited about going to Mom's this weekend because they get different TV shows than we do. <laughs> It's like you can watch Nickelodeon again over there, and apparently he has been. Um, he and um, yeah, so we we have a, a you know a sort of playlist of shows that we go through or whatever. Um, we I don't feel like he's super into the uh, the Mickey Mouse stuff as much anymore. Like I put it on the other day, and he was super fascinated by it because he hadn't watched it in months. Yeah. Um, but you know, heavy rotation is anything Cars related. Uh, you know, King of the Hill, he's still into. Um, yeah, Jamie's lost interest in that one. Yeah, Batman, the animated series, and Batman Brave and Bold. He likes both of those and also likes to watch me play the Arkham games. And he'll just say, Dad, I want to watch you play Batman. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll play it again. Yeah. Like, Jamie's getting better about that. I, I was playing Majora's Mask and he was watching that. But I have, see, I'm a dork, so I have a retro TV game like station set up on like a, you know, it's raining outside, so we're going to watch a movie during recess. TV carts that can be wheeled into the living room, which is great, but it's the sort of thing, you know, a toddler wants to touch everything that's on that. And so I'm freaking out every time he walks behind it because I'm like, no, don't go back there. Don't touch any of those cords. Don't press the giant red glowing button on the power strip that'll kill everything and <laughs> all that fun stuff. No, he's he's like a hype man while I'm playing. He's like, you <laughs> nice. got to get him. You going to get him, dad. You got to get him, dad. Sometimes it's like, I know, man, I'm trying to get him. Like, they're going to shoot you, dad. <laughs> I know. Shut up. <laughs> You're not helping. He saw you. He saw you. He saw you, dad. <laughs> I know they're always seeing you in that game. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not great at the sneaking. Um, you know, that I used to be I'm better than I than I originally was. Thankfully, couldn't get any worse than that. But like the first time I played through, Jake was watching me. Yeah. And Jake is much better at video games than I am. And so he's watching me and like there's a part if you played the Arkham games, you know, like sometimes you can just fight people and sometimes you have to sneak up on them. And like I will say it's one of the only games to balance those two things well. And it's not just right. like uh we're done sneaking, so fight and it's shitty. You fucked up. Right. Well, then they tried to take that too far in the Arkham Knight, and then it turned into, like, sometimes you can just blow up other cars with the Batmobile, and sometimes you have to sneak with the Batmobile <laughs> okay. for no reason and sneak up behind tanks. Like, it's what? <laughs> That's real dumb. It really is. You can only hit them in a certain spot, and you got to stay behind them the whole time, and then if they hit, if they see you, they can kill you in, like, one shot, and don't worry, there's seven of them, <laughs> like, trying to get you at the same time. Great. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the first time I'm playing through, he's watch watching me, and, like, um, I'm awful at it. And so, like, I just came out this little, like, air vent, would get a guy loudly, because I wasn't good at sneaking. Then the rest, then I'd just grow back in that same air vent, and they <laughs> just far enough where they couldn't shoot me. And they would just eventually, wait if you waited, like, again. five minutes, they would back up far enough for me to get another guy, and then run back in that same <laughs> air vent. And yeah. so it took me, like, 45 minutes to beat the, that level on that right. horrible pace. <laughs> 
but it worked. Yeah, I don't have like, to sneak. Like late in the game when they put the uh, bombs on all the gargoyles, so you can't run away to those. Right. And then in later games, like I just recently, because he wants to watch me all the time, played through Arkham Knight, and it's like, oh, there's three guys with guns? I don't even need to hide. I can just get in the middle of them, boom, 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 right. I'll just punch them, whatever. Yeah. Where like in... Um, that first, first game, game was pretty like, unforgiving about that. It's like you, if they see you, you're going to be, you might get one, but the second one will shoot you to death. Right. And then in the later games, you have like separate like combat armor and, and ballistic armor right. or whatever. Um, so in retrospect, it's probably a good thing they quit making those when they did, because like how much more shit can you add in? Oh yeah. That, that Arkham Knight game is crazy. Like you've got Batmobile shit, you've got all kinds of villains. Then there was like DLC of like more villains you can add on after that. And like, mm just wild shit um aladdin (laughs) transition reel it on back and maybe not all that will make it um well i think what you were saying before we got sidetracked was uh the way that they jumped all in with adding sequels to this one and tv shows and i think this i don't have any research to back this up but this may have been the first sort of like direct to video where we do with return to jafar and then i think we sort of backed up and did you know what if we did cinderella 2 and we, what i think if we so did, yeah yeah because um, return based off I, the success of return to jafar yeah i think return to jafar came out in like 94 or something so like pretty immediately after this and then they were like well what if we made sequels for everything and right you do know. you think the idea before they found out they weren't going to have robin williams uh, the idea was to make that a theatrical deal, and then like, oh, we don't have Robin Williams, maybe we'll just do direct-to-video, or like, I don't know. Could be. We'll get into that, but I think they knew they weren't going to have Robin Williams after the moves they pulled uh, in this film. But uh, I mean, they brought him back for the third one. Sure. Well, time heals all wounds. Yep. As Cash does... and creative. <laughs> right. But yeah, it did seem like Aladdin, there was just Aladdin everything as a kid, and I think part of that uh, is also there was a arcade chain called aladdin's castle which also invaded my childhood a bit which was over at the hot springs mall which was the best mall you know nearby so i have a lot of good memories around the concept of aladdin (laughs) plus jasmine just jasmine as is yeah people like jasmine (laughs) trying to wait for my dogs to shut the fuck up so i can keep talking and i have it not natty hush Speaking of people like Jasmine, um, a weird thing happened on the internet this week that's not even that weird for the internet, but I guess images from the latest Space Jam movie have been released, mm-hmm. and people are upset that... Again, time stamping this episode. <laughs> right, and people are upset that Lola Rabbit, Lola Bunny, Bunny. doesn't... Bunny, yeah, Lola Bunny doesn't look as hot as she did in the first one, which is the most internet thing i can think of like i did see a post debunking most of that too because like whatever like the before image people were showing was definitely some oh, like yeah. furry rule 34 art someone drew and not from the actual movie i haven't watched space jam right, in yeah. 15 years but i don't really remember i mean i don't know that uh i thought oh that bunny is sexy or whatever <laughs> when i watched Ooh. it for the first time but i definitely went like i I want to watch more scenes with her. Like, I mean, when did, I mean, Space Jam came out when I was probably, what, 11, 12? Like, probably. Maybe a little younger. I don't know. I think I was like six. So, so I'm thinking, you know, things like uh, Lola Bunny or like uh, Roxanne from uh, Goofy Movie. Um, <laughs> just like, she did huh. it for you, huh? That, that's funny. Not, not in a weird, like, internet way. I gotcha. Just in a, yeah. You know, gives you that funny feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well. And, you know, Topanga. 
Obviously. That one, a little less creepy. Well, I don't know about that, but it's a real person, at least. It is. I mean, and as of Girl Meets World, still getting it done. Uh, So, yeah, like we said, released in uh, 1992, uh, November 25th, 1992, to be exact, which turns out was the same day as wwf survivor series 1992 which uh that's a big deal that's the oh never mind i was thinking no it's not never mind exactly yeah i was thinking 91 like taker beats hogan like what the fuck no yeah we talked 92 right apparently we're only ever going to talk about survivor series with these new segments because that's when disney releases these films is in november apparently uh but 92 is like the year wwf decided eh, you know what survivor series kind of sucks let's never put effort into it ever again because, like, I mean, that's one of several things they decided in that year. Like, the <laughs> roster sure. from January to November and, like, Fair points. Of sh- stuff went down in 92. But, so what? what is, is that? Brett um, and Sean main events. Okay, so that's not Heart Family. Nope. Kicked your leg out of your leg. Nope, that's, well, that's the following the rumble, year. At least storyline happened at that, that happens at that year. But 92, like, there's one Survivor Series match and it's got, like, the Beverly Brothers and, like, I don't know. The Steiners, probably the Bushwhackers, maybe, probably. Yeah. Like nothing is going on there. <clears throat> Taker wrestles uh, Kamala in a casket match. I think the first Giant one of those. Casket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a thing. Not the first one, is it? I maybe think it is. so. Yeah, Unless SummerSlam. Right. Do they do it at SummerSlam too? I don't remember, and no one cares. <laughs> uh, on the other side of the fence, though, the previous month, Halloween Havoc '92 in WCW, and uh, spin the wheel, make the deal far more memorable for mm. bad reasons <laughs> yeah. yeah bill watts off the wagon jake the snake and uh bad uh you know vignettes i don't know if we've got one-eyed little people blowing up boats yet i think that was later but same mm-hmm. deal wrestling used to be really cool guys in case you were wondering aladdin what are <laughs> trying to get to this movie what are your childhood memories of the film but I think we already talked about Jasmine. Um, so, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, just being super into the genie. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, like that about it. Uh, also, Iago. Um, pretty entertaining. Celebrity uh, voices child. very much in full swing on this one. Uh, pretty much begetting the entire past 30 years of animated film. Yeah, I was going to talk about that later on, but I guess we could do this here. Like where this is sort of a uh, watershed moment in... Uh, animation where <clears throat> all these other you know classic Disney movies that we've talked about with very few exceptions their cast is voice actors people who make animated movies and perform in animated movies right. um, maybe they have you know have had minor roles in our character actors elsewise yeah but you know we're not getting big celebrities to be in these movies with yeah. very few exceptions we've had glimpses and, here and there you know but after this one, and like, come see Robin Williams in an animated movie, exactly. which, by the way, is the best way to use Robin Williams. Like, he is great Agreed. in this movie, um, and gets to like riff and do all of his right, you know, things that he's known for. Um, but that right. shifted everything after that, where you've got to have, you know, a real cast. You couldn't possibly just make a movie with just voice actors, right? I think you can very easily draw a straight line from Robin Williams in Aladdin to everything dreamworks made <laughs> and like from 2000 oh, onward you know this thing led to will smith in shark tale and steve carell in over the hedge and 
yeah, you're giving Disney a pass on this, though, and, like, not True. acknowledging, like, John Travolta and Miley Cyrus in Bolt. Yeah, <laughs> it got ugly for everybody in that yeah. time frame. I mean, and I feel like now they've found a way to sort of balance this, where, like, maybe they'll use uh, a fairly well-known celebrity or whatever, but it's not... You know, they're not trying to get... It's not distracting. Like, yeah. you know, with Frozen, like, yes, they got Kristen Bell and, like, Josh Gad, but those aren't, like... Mm. And certainly when Frozen first came out, like, those aren't... They weren't the same level as Robin Williams no. in 1992. Like I was just going to argue that Josh Gad is distracting, but okay. Well, <laughs> yes, but I don't know that as many people sure. knew who he was when Frozen came out as, as do now. You're like, right. I knew him as side character meatball from new girl around that time who was on like three or four episodes right so i think they have found a way to balance this out where like we can have well-known people be in our movies and perhaps they'll draw in an audience um, but the movie won't just be about that person being in a movie right uh being the in good an animated ones. movie right yeah i mean moana i guess is a little bit like yeah hey, check out the rock that's true but he well I mean, we'll get there eventually, 10 years from now, probably. But (laughs) a long time from now. (laughs) But he doesn't show up till a good way into the movie. When it's President Johnson at that point, by the time we get to that. Jesus, don't. Our country. I can't do this. We can't talk about our dystopian future at the moment. Did you watch his show, The the Young Rock? it looked real dumb. Yeah, I watched the first episode, and it was not good. I mean, what's the, like, what's the most recent? I mean, one of them just got released yesterday. Um, but previous oh. to that, what's the most recent? Uh, Disney? Yeah. On- onward? Like, I think that was Pixar. I don't know the difference Yeah, anymore. I don't know if it was a Disney Pixar, if it was just Pixar. Cause I'd there's... have to pull up the Wikipedia page. Well, then back up one more from that. Frozen like... 2. Okay, so Frozen 2 right. was the same cast, so it's not a great example. Right. Back up one more from that. Um, Either Moana or Zootopia. I don't remember which one was first. I think there's something else in between there, but either but those way... Those are the ones I remember. Because <laughs> they're both great. Well, we haven't been there yet, but the, I've seen those a lot more like over the past three or four years, and they're so good. I love both of them. I have not rewatched Moana since uh, since I saw it in the theater, so... Um, it's worth it. Unless you want to wait 10 yeah, years when I mean, we do it with this podcast, but... <laughs> right. I mean, I enjoyed it at the time, um, so I probably would enjoy a rewatch. So those are my memories of it, just uh, Robin Williams being a, a big deal, and um, right, and that was a way to like get our parents, inter- or especially our dad, interested in watching it too, because like, well, Robin Williams is in it, well, yeah. I'll check it out, you know. What I was going to say is like, this came out in, what, 92? Yes. Is that right? So I'm six. Like, right. Yeah, I was a toddler. About to but... turn seven. Like, right. So I knew who Robin Williams was, at least, um, but... Yeah, I'm trying to remember when... My familiar, familiar, familiarity, there we go, with him sort of grew. It was probably around Jumanji, Patch Adams, like late 90s stuff. I definitely saw Patch Adams in theaters, so. Yeah. Can't remember um, on Jumanji. Hook and. Uh, Hook scared me as a kid, so. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire, but that those would have both been after this, I'm thinking. Yeah, so I think probably. That's like 94 uh, He was filming aladdin at the same time as hook i saw that on the internet because they're both disney so that makes sense i'm sure he was at the same lot you know probably so i do know um while we're just we'll just put the robin williams portion of things here i guess we're already talking about him i do know that like 
uh, from watching the Inside the Actor Studio with him that I watched. I don't know how many dozens. They of showed times it a now, lot. There's, well, yeah, and then there's different versions of it because like the full thing is like three hours long, but then they also show like an hour long version of it sometimes. And then so I always would watch to figure out if it was the full one or mm-hmm. not because I'd seen it so many damn times. Uh, but anyway, he talked about like you know day one or two of him recording. There's like one guy there outside the booth like sketching him every now and then. And, like, he notices the more days they go, the more people are in the booth <laughs> sketching him, like, trying to Just keep up with everything. all these wild, you know, yeah. riffs that he's going on and adding in all these different... They say in that interview uh, how many different characters he invents throughout the story or whatever, like, right. either impressions of other uh, other celebrities or whatever, like... Right. The the inclusion of this film probably would have been successful on its own right. The inclusion of Robin Williams made it a massive mega hit. And the short version of this is they very much fucked over Robin Williams in the process of making it. Um, but like by doing that and Don't marketing know. the hell at him and, uh, you know, sort of building the film around him and his wackiness and like all of his crazy impressions and just saying, all right, that's what this character is. This is like a coked up eighties wrestler promo. Like that was the same thing as, you know, Robin Williams stand up. So it's like, just bring him in here, you know, in whatever condition he's in and whatever he needs to perform. And he will go off the walls crazy for 45 minutes and we'll use what's appropriate for the film. And, you know, just sketch all of these impressions and animations and just wild shit and just build the film around that and clearly doing so worked out for them and also led to the idea of hey what if you know we're making this period piece of a cartoon what if we also had pop culture references in it uh, just to- yeah that's what i was going to say too like not only being a watershed for like involving uh celebrities in in these movies but also in bringing in pop culture references and like i don't think we ever get to like shrek or like any which i know is not disney but like we ever get to shrek or anything that sort of has a mocking attitude right. about these fairy tale conventions parody with yeah with without this movie and like without the idea of sort of having a good time with the story and not just taking it you know super seriously the whole time maybe we eventually get there but it would have taken much longer where like after you know we could have a movie after bringing in Robin Williams, you could have a movie that works on a level that kids understand uh, and is also entertaining for adults. Right. Because of how all that he's bringing in and all the pop culture ridiculousness um, that goes along with him, then that became a formula you could use going forward. And, and I mean, people's societies attitude shifts towards fairy tales anyway, but the idea that if Disney's making this type of movie, other people can make it too. And we can like sort of, right. You know, have an ironic twist on on fairy tales and be you know a, you know like you said self-aware and i i don't know how much credit specifically we can put on disney for this but you know we are both you know millennials which has pretty much become the ironic self-aware generation of you know, also grew up with the internet at the same time but maybe it's sort of that aloof sense of humor could somewhat be pinned on you know these disney films also kind of right and so before that self-awareness like that's why I wouldn't. I try not to be too hard on like Beauty and the Beast uh, or Little Mermaid, where like yeah, there are messages in that 
in those movies that are problematic on like giving up your whole world to be with this man or whatever right in both cases yes or even giving up literally giving up your voice to be yes <laughs> with this man uh but again they're not self-aware in that way and like if that's in the source material like they weren't trying to make modern versions of these stories right. or you know update them like they were just sticking with you know fairy tale conventions and not but now that we've you know acknowledged by bringing in robin williams and making these pop culture references i mean he, he he's de niro at one point he's yep. uh He's what Schwarzenegger, uh, Ed Sullivan. He's yeah. Schwarzenegger, like Jack all kinds Nicholson, of people. Rodney Dangerfield. Right. Like these jokes don't play at all for the kids watching, but they go, "Ha ha! Look at the silly genie!" Like they don't have to get the reference. That's true, you know. But parents do get the reference and pay attention, I right. guess. So, but if we're gonna anachronistically bring in those people, right? Then now we're no longer like we're in the story, but we're also looking at it with our '90s eyes in a way that we wouldn't have been in beauty and the beast and uh yes and uh little mermaid and everything all the previous (laughs) movies yeah i think it's safe to say disney got their money's worth out of robin williams and seeing as how they didn't pay him very much they definitely did because uh yeah the way they went about this is robin williams agreed to do this film uh but only uh being paid scale which is basically minimum wage for actors, um, like extras, I think. Maybe not extras, they probably have a different thing. But like any small role uh, where you're not a selling point, you get paid scale. Which Robin Williams agreed to do that because uh, he was friendly with somebody. Uh, and gratitude for his success with Touchstone Pictures' Good Morning Vietnam was the reason. Uh, yeah, he voiced Genie for SAG scale pay instead of his regular asking fee, which was millions of dollars. Um but the condition on that was that his name uh, and image not be used for marketing. And with Genie being a supporting character, he, Genie couldn't be like the focus of the movie posters. He could only take up a certain amount of poster space or whatever. And so basically the studio said, yeah, we'll do that. But let's see if we market the hell out of you, the money we'll make will definitely pay for whatever you're going to sue us for. So like... <laughs> guess what we're disney we can do whatever the fuck we want and they did so right i mean i get get that argument for like we can afford it if you have a problem with this and if it works then right you know we're gonna make enough money that it'll be fine for everybody they're not wrong but it also it reminds me of a line jafar says in the film which is like you've heard of the golden rule right whoever has the gold makes the rules like that's disney right here and robin williams technically should have been paid for all kinds of like uh well yeah you know, commercial and uh, residuals, that kind of stuff. Part of that is probably also being one of the first celebrities to do this. There's not a sort of frame for this. So like, yeah, you were using Robin Williams, but we don't see Robin Williams in the movie. Like he has a very distinguishable voice. Voice People would know that it's him. But immediately I would argue like I'm not paying you these millions of dollars if you're not appearing in my movie. It's just your voice. It's not you. like. And maybe I don't have the full story here, but it's definitely implied in my research that like, he offered to do it for this amount, not, hey, <laughs> Disney saying, look, we're not going to pay you this, but how would you like to I'll take, you know, a fraction of that? I think he did it as a nice move and got stabbed in the back. Probably so, yeah. But there's not, uh, you know, a market set for that either, Where which is part of why, like, his agent wasn't going, no, don't do this, Maybe, no, God, yeah. no, like, because, you know, who knows, like... It's a Disney movie. Yeah, the last few have been hits, but they won't all be hits. Like, True. this could go nowhere. And, like, didn't know it was going to be this, you know, massive phenomenon. Yeah. That it ended up being. Later on, Robin Williams uh, 
had this to say. The only reason Mickey Mouse has three fingers is because he can't pick up a check. So <laughs> you can see how he felt about it. But he also said in that same, I'm just going to keep referencing that. Uh, sure. In the, in the Inside the Actor Studio interview uh, that, you know, they pretty much encouraged him to, like, go as far out there mm-hmm. as you want to go. Like, we may not use everything that you say, but right. go on, do it. He did say every now and then they'd be like, now, it's still Disney. <laughs> right. Like, reel it in a little bit but yeah yeah um and like from the opening scene of uh you know spoilers robin williams plays genie he also plays the you know sort of narrator for the film the peddler at the beginning uh selling you know the famous dead sea tupperware and whatever other shit (laughs) apparently they just filmed him for like an hour or so just like riffing on random items and you know most of it couldn't air in a disney film but you know that's they went with the three that they liked and stuff but just that's just right. a fascinating way. Like I don't, I don't know, but I don't think feature length cartoons are ever ad libbed to hardly any degree. Like I don't know the whole process, but I'm pretty sure you usually no. start with a you know vocal track and animate. You know, yeah. The I details. mean, they can't really be ad libbed because often like each person's recording their part right. individually, In separate They're days not like... and separate booths and that kind of stuff. Right. It's not like a radio serial from the you know, 30s or 40s, whatever. That was the thing that was unusual about Batman the Animated Series was that they actually did sit around in a circle together Mm -hmm. and record at the same time. Um, But that's not the way these things normally work. So Robin, of course, was given license to go as out there. Maybe they had him record his stuff first and then have everyone else do theirs. But You can't go from talking about Batman and then just call him Robin. (laughs) Robin Williams. Williams, uh, Rest in peace. Right was allowed to i don't like that you're not allowed to say anything at all negative about him now like um i mean i get i mean it's very sad that he died like, I, mean, I what you have a negative what do you what you got to say against him i mean i don't have anything bad to say him about him as a person do i think he's the funniest person that ever lived no yeah do i think i was thinking about a stand-up earlier like i've seen some of it and like it's fun for about 10 minutes and it's like oh, okay i understand right. you, now he you were massively popular for this but it's a lot at once and i right I, now robin williams being interviewed on a late night show that's must see tv like i'm sure like but i think part of that is my own like hang-ups with stand-up at this point where like i would much rather watch a funny person being interviewed Mm -hmm. than watch a funny person doing a routine at this point that's fair yeah it just seems very like (laughs) like that was a terrible example but like just very just sticky of like i say this pause for three beats i turn i do this clearly memorized ad lib you know it's just sure you know it's there's no uh realness to it too i don't know right yeah so like funny person on a podcast even a, a comedian on a podcast is entertaining because like you see why why this person's funny and not like why this person's a good performer or whatever right i've got like four comedians i have kept up with over the last 10 years maybe and that's really all i need just every once in a while hey there's a new mike berbiglia i'll check that out or you know right or like i watch snl every week but i, I usually don't do skip the open <laughs> I usually skip the opening monologue because it's like, this is going to be bad. Like most SNL is bad. There are a few, right. Well, yeah, but I also, (laughs) you think standup comedian is too shticky, but sketch comedy isn't like, I don't understand that. But sketch, sketch comedy I've recorded where I can watch five seconds and go, this is going to be good. Oh, no, this is stupid. Go on to the next one. You know, I'm not actually watching it live. I don't, (laughs) I I didn't mean to give that impression. Impression. I know you're not awake. I watch, I watch, right. I watch Saturday night Hulu every, <laughs> every week and you know mm-hmm. check it out then you know mostly weekend update and like 
a few any political sketch but other than that it's like ah this is stupid although they have been in a weird disney place this year i don't know who writes for the show and just wants to keep doing this 90s disney stuff but they did a weird or not even 90s they did a cinderella thing this last week um which was really stupid like where they were talking about uh they had the glass slipper but it was super tiny mm-hmm. um and then, like, so you, it set it up for you to think, like, Cinderella's deformed or whatever, which kind of plays into the story anyway, if she's the only one in town sure. that, like, this shoe fits or whatever. But instead, it was actually a mouse that he had been <laughs> dancing with and then apparently banged. And it was a whole, it's stupid. And then the other one they did was the Ratatouille thing where, like, the mouse is, like, pulling on his hair and making him better in bed or whatever. Like, just, like, why in 2021 did this occur to you, like, relevant, apropos of nothing, but... I mean, I like that you're pointing all this out on our Disney podcast. Like, clearly there's an audience. Sure. Except not for yeah, us. But but for a show that's supposed to be the, like, zeitgeist sure. of the country, it just is, you know, odd. <laughs> Before we get into the movie itself, I do want to talk about the uh, the warning that displays. But if we're still doing no, intro go, stuff, I mean, go for proceed. it. We're 50 minutes in. We got to <laughs> do something. <laughs> We've got to... Okay, so if you watch the movie on Disney+, Plus, uh, you will notice the first thing that comes up is a disclaimer that says, you know, this film contains, uh, I don't, I didn't memorize the actual language of it, but it says something about it contains stereotypes and these were not okay at the time and they're not okay now. And rather than deleting them, we've decided to include them and, you know, bring awareness that this is not okay. Really, if you watch most anything on Disney+, Plus, you'll see that <laughs> disclaimer there. Yeah, a I lot mean, of, accurately. Yeah, yeah and... Uh, this is something that Disney at first uh, was not doing. This was something Warner Brothers was doing first right. uh, with their older, uh, you know, uh, what are they called? Cartoons. Not, I know they're called cartoons. <laughs> they have it. Looney Tunes is what I was trying Mary to think Medleys. of. Mary Medleys. Yes, I know. Yes. Melodies. Uh, not Melodies. Medleys. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. With older Looney Tunes episodes and Bugs Bunny, you know, doing different caricatures of, of mm-hmm. different races um, and ethnicities. That was another so thing Disney's we doing canceled this, too. this month was the Muppet Show on Disney Plus. So. Which I was going to, I'm getting there, man. Let me get to it. <laughs> okay. So Disney has decided to put up these warnings instead. And to me, this is not the same as canceling. Like, a warning is letting you know this is here, right? This is not saying we're not going to let anyone watch this we're not saying we don't think you should watch this with your kids it's saying that you're about to see something that was offense should have been offensive at the time and is definitely offensive now that's not the same as canceling right, right. we're not saying like you can never watch aladdin again we're saying when you watch it you should have uh, if you don't currently have this awareness we're asking you to have this awareness right that we used a cast full of all white people yes doing fake accents some of them, some so of them. Not, not, not the main characters, <laughs> right? Um, you know, to pretend to be these people, and even Robin Williams' character at the opening of the story, right, is you know, eh. right, it, and and the opening song uh, was edited back in the '90s because of a line that was deemed offensive then, when nothing was offensive. So, <laughs> right, like. Yeah, but, and it, and it would have been like where it shows up in the song uh, would have been like line number two of the film about you know where they cut off your hand <laughs> if they don't like your face or something and you know that was replaced with you know it's hot and immense and the heat is intense or something and yeah so clearly there was canceling back then too right Disney has added these uh, warnings and famously 
a few weeks ago now, a few months ago, perhaps when this is released, uh, the Disney, uh, Disney Plus added The Muppet Show, and certain episodes, not all of them, certain episodes have a warning on them, and a segment of the country uh, went nuts about this. Um, and there's two, two groups uh, that you could sort these uh, sort the people who were offended by this into like there's one group that very much wants this to be a thing and wants to push this narrative and, and they're actively trying to find things to call cancel culture to get people riled up right the other group either wants to believe that you know people just won't let them be the way they want to be or whatever um naturally mm-hmm. or they just honestly haven't thought about it that hard or you looked know. at it at all they just saw a headline you know Right, and then they hear, oh, there they go again, canceling stuff, whatever. Right. But I watched, not on purpose, I didn't seek out, <laughs> these like, episodes. Let, me find an, let me find an episode that has a warning on I it. I mean, that's the but thing I, about this sort of shit, like, you don't have to go looking for it. Like, watch anything right. from 30 to 50 to 80 years ago, and, like, you'll find it. Right, right. Um, but, like, so with The Muppet Show, all the seasons released, I went through and found... Rather than watching them all in order to start with, I found, you know, certain hosts that I wanted to check out or whatever and see. So I watched the Kenny Rogers episode, and that one had the warning. So I was like, okay, well, let's see what this is about. And it was bad. Like, it was not only in addition to not being funny, like, it was uncomfortable. Like, I wouldn't have needed the warning to be there. Like the he in the episode they have sold the mineral rights to his dressing room to a group of people from the middle east um who are or not people muppets from the right. middle east um who are dressed in costume and all the um uh, all the muppeteers are doing these horrible accents and you know stereotypes all throughout uh the the episode they come back to them all throughout the episode then there's also a scene where uh kermit is feeling sick and they do the uh the 70s put the lime in the coconut song and the doctor he's seeing slowly turns into this witch doctor with like a bone through his nose mm. and like it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So there are offensive things in those episodes and things. That, and and the thing is, like, if that episode didn't get posted, would you miss it? No, like, right. No, you wouldn't. Unless and you're a big you're Kenny a giant, Rogers fan. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So another rest they in didn't peace cancel there, by it. the way. They didn't, but it's a weird thing. Like they posted or uploaded you know, hundreds of episodes of the show, and then it was like, they're canceled. Like, how, that's literally the opposite of canceling them. Right. Um, and so the big controversy this week, which will also date it, was with Dr. Seuss, right. which again is his own company. Well, he's dead, but the company he started sure. to publish his books, and that, you know, sort of maintains his legacy today and oversees how his properties are used, decided on their own to not publish six of his books anymore because of some you know racist imagery that was in there which if you look it up it is in case you're wondering it is and um other authors like that like richard scary went back and redid some illustrations for his books because he knew that some of them didn't age well or whatever and he worked changed some things here or there to Mm -hmm. to fix that um you know seuss didn't do that and they may and probably will re re-release these in five years with new pictures and it'll be you know probably it'll be fine but they you know then that turned into the cancel on dr seuss and people went on tv and read or uh, there were congressmen that went to the floor of congress with a giant like uh 
how the Grinch stole Christmas poster behind him or whatever. It was like, but that wasn't one of the ones that's being of course it wasn't. done away with. Like, I had literally not, never saying, read any of the ones that were being done away with because I went right, to go well, look I think and be we, like, do we own these? Oh, dang it. I think we have the Mulberry Street one, which means it might be up for sale if you guys want to know. <laughs> I, I, we looked at prices. They're high, just in case yeah, you were wondering. So, anyway, hit us up if you want our <laughs> Mulberry Street one. Um, we'll auction I mean, it I've off. Got, I've got some ethics, but, you know, I also like money. So, <laughs> anyway, it was his own company. They're not right. doing away with all Dr. Sue stuff. They're just not publishing those books anymore. And, you know, so it turned into this whole ridiculous thing. But we also live in a 24-hour news cycle where everyone has to be mad at something all the time. So, like, that's the reason this shit happens. Right. And, well, like, it's not a story. Like, fucking 10 people are mad and, you know, 20 other people are going to hoard these books and try to make a right. bunch of but money. But it's also, it behooves those uh, those who want to make it a story because at the same time, what's actually going on is one party is trying to pass and finally did pass today uh you know some legislation to help people out during covid and to not what they originally promised but at least get more checks out there create more programs send money to schools do all the different things that they were going to do things that are popular even popular with conservatives um but that so this is a giant distraction and it's working is the frustrating part like of course it is yeah. If you're done with Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I guess so. I was going to say, the unless you want to deal with the mask thing while we're at it, if we just want to do all the, the bullshit from this week. Let's just move on. Uh, I was going to say, the, the Muppet Show disclaimer racism section of our conversation is, I think, a good um, foil to what happens in this film. Because, yes, we're taking place in a fictional place but that's in you know a foreign foreign culture unfortunately because of the time yeah it's made with all you know white actors which is the thing disney's trying to get away from now with all their remakes which on the one hand i don't like when y'all remake shit but on the other hand i'm like well you know if you want to make it for more people i understand that but on the other other hand you replace robin williams with will smith and that is not that's an what upgrade. i was gonna say <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah, it is a person of color if that's what you were trying to do, but it sure. is not, like, from the right part of the world if you were going that direction with it, and just, like... I don't know that there's an answer to this or that any of this is good or bad, but, like, we, on the one hand, we're telling this story in this other culture, we're showing this culture to a lot of white American kids that would not have known anything about, you know, ancient Arabia, um... And perhaps Arabian immigrants or, you know, Arabian, not necessarily immigrants, but Arabian American folks like Arabian American children that would have enjoyed seeing, hey, here's another culture like this speaks to me. I like seeing this on film as opposed to, you know, all these European folk tales that, you know, all these other Disney movies are. But at the same time, you've got, you know, Robin Williams and the lyrics to some of these songs being basically like Arab stereotype bingo. And you've got Aladdin going through the marketplace with right. firewalkers and sword swallowers and, you know, flying away on a magic carpet but, and all that. And, right. What I was going to say is that this is meant to be, you know, not, it's not meant to be 1992 Saudi no, Arabia. No, Like it is meant to it's be meant to, yeah. a historic, you know, version of it. That's fair. Um, so I think that's, worth keeping in mind too it doesn't excuse the having an all-white cast but it was the 90s we had all white cast for everything that's true um, but yeah so you've got robin williams 
and it, as this peddler in in the opening scene uh you know trying to sell wares to the the audience who is you know played by basically like a first person camera shot here which i actually thought was a pretty neat touch of just like he's like no wait don't go and the camera's like turning away and he runs in front of it to keep their attention like i thought that was a pretty clever like we feel like at least i in the audience feel like i'm a part of this more and maybe that fits in a bit with the like self-awareness of the whole thing it's, it's kind of like some of these other ones where it feels like you're some of these other films we reviewed where it feels kind of like you're watching a play of you know a, there's like a level of uh self-awareness to it there built in from right. the start it uh you know on the one hand is a little bit problematic because of you know the accent that he uses to do all this but at the same time atmospherically you know it's if you've got like a guy who's trying to sell you stuff and trying to haggle with you whatever it's easy to use that as an intro into the world exactly. where a lot of the story takes place and the, right. you know, the streets where our supposed street rat is from. Right. You know? And as me and you are people that have advocated for a narrator in pretty much any of these films or praised when we have like the storybook opening, uh, you know, of say Cinderella, Jungle Book, Peter Pan, whichever ones all had it. This feels like a new take on that where it's just like, here's a character saying, wait, let me tell you this story, audience member. Um, which I feel like that's that's still got that same kind of hook to it. Um, maybe not the prestige of opening up a book and reading Once Upon a Time and all that, but it's still right from the beginning you're hooked in. And something else that hooks me in right from the start is just how like pretty this movie is. Um, just the color, the aesthetic of everything, the color palette is all like these deep blues and bright reds that just pop throughout. And you, you especially right at the beginning here when we have the introduction of Jafar and the cave of wonders and it's you know this dark starry night and then but then the glowing mouth of the you know tiger face and all that and it's just i don't know very uh you know hard to take your eyes away from yeah i thought it was uh that's all true and when we get to the uh, the mise-en-scene of the of the movie to talk about the you know how pretty the movie is and mm-hmm. how well made it is uh, be, that would be a good time to uh, discuss that further but opening the story with that uh, merchant, you know, telling us the history of the lamp, and uh, this isn't an ordinary lamp, let me tell you a tale about that lamp. Um, I, you know, I like stories that have, you know, we call that a frame narrative, yeah. uh, where you have a character who's telling a story to the audience in either a flashback or, uh, you know, even like Emperor's New Groove, where I bet you're wondering how I got here, and yeah, he yeah. tells you the rest of the story, whatever, that's a frame narrative too, where in this case it's a, you know, a character who's not really part of the rest of the story. Right. But Aladdin itself comes from a famous frame narrative of, you know, the Arabian Nights or Thousand and One Nights. It's called in different translations. But uh, in that story, uh, which I've never actually read, so I'm going to try to explain this. But a woman is woman is held prisoner um, and she's supposed to, like, sleep with this guy or something. Uh, But she says, well, before you do that, let me tell you this really good story. And as long as I can keep you entertained with these stories or whatever, we can put off that. I I never knew. So each of the stories in that series or whatever, just her trying to delay. Maybe she's going to be executed. Either way, it's bad. Whatever. (laughs) Something bad's going to happen to her. And so she keeps telling the story um, to keep that going. And Aladdin is one of those stories. Alibaba also one of those stories there are others but those are the two i know alibaba had them 40 thieves there you go kind of half-assed saying that and then gave up by the end of it because i didn't remember the next line so uh but yeah we open up in this cold desert night um i'm assuming it's cold i guess there's no real way to know uh but (laughs) i mean it's a desert they get cold at night 
I know. Uh, Jafar and Iago are who we see first, along with the little, I don't know his name, guy. He's going to get minion. killed. We'll just go with a minion. Wondering. Yeah. He does have a name. They say it later on. They do. But... Uh, I was going to say Ahmed, but that's the prince in the palace. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't so know his actual name. It doesn't name, matter. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so our villain duo right from the start, and what a classic duo they are. They're pretty much everything we've always been talking about, like the Hook and Smee uh aspect is that the word i want now dynamic. dynamic dynamic thank you the hook and smee dynamic of like here's the you know the big bad scary guy and he's got this minion that he can kick around and scream at and also uh they can get out exposition a lot better with there being two of them because uh, we have a lot of that to get through and it works better than say ursula sitting around talking to fish that don't talk back for all of her scenes saying like oh, i gotta do this now instead it's like Iago saying, what are we gonna do? And Jafar being like, that's not a great Gilbert Godfrey. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> it's the best I can do. But Jafar having to be like, having to get through uh, a lot of really lore that we're not explaining in this opening scene about, you know, I've got this golden beetle and you brought me the other piece of it. And we don't know what they are or what they'll do, but it's cool. And, you know, we don't really need any information. So let's just make this scene of this beetle flying through and crashing into the sand and revealing this hidden cave that we don't even know what's in it at this point. Like, there's some depth going on. That's all true. If you're into uh, checking out previous episodes of the show, I will refer you back to the Peter Pan episode where I said how great Captain Hook and Smee were and Jake proceeded to not like that movie and trash the two of them in particular as being too silly when, like, that's what we're doing here where we've got Iago to you know, be silly and to eat a pinfall every now and then. And we've got, you know, Jafar to be the, the monster heel um, who never has to look weak at any point in the movie. Um, we've perfected that heel manager dynamic that we've talked about in previous episodes of a good villain team of we've got Andre the Giant and Bobby Heenan, Heenan here. We're like, um, well, not really, because we need yeah, uh, Jafar's a better talker than Andre would have been. But sure, the point we have Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan, perhaps it's the same thing um, we said for Gaston and LeFou in the previous. Well, yeah, episode. but Gaston's actually a pretty boy, so that made more <laughs> sense. Where uh, I don't know what to use. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But the point is, they know what we're talking about. The little guy, the manager, gets to you know, he gets slapped around. He gets you know, he constantly gets his comeuppance the you know true villain of the story doesn't get his until the very end of the story right which allows us to get more sympathy for the good guys in the story and build up more you know animosity towards our our villain in the story absolutely and we get to you know they they sort of set things up by say we're looking for this cave of wonders there's a lamp in there i don't remember if they say that right at the beginning but spoilers there is one and we need to move forward with this plot uh dustin's already yawning so we've got to open up this cave of wonders and we've got this little thief guy we're going to send in there to get the lamp and uh by the way the cave of wonders is a giant cgi tiger head uh which i think shows the level of comfort that disney is at at this point with their cgi technology like we've seen it sneaking into all of these uh films over the past probably close to decade at this point uh you know where i guess the the main one to get praise would have been the previous one beauty and the beast for the ballroom dancing scene but at the same time that was like the bathroom break section of that movie uh for all the little boys out there like me watching it um but <laughs> one it's also used in much greater effect in this movie right uh, compared you know, to beauty uh, and the well beast. we're giving it more uh 
importance and significance right from the start of just like hey we're starting here's this movie by the way here's a massive plot point that looks like a giant imposing tiger head at the beginning with speaking with this giant booming uh voice which i think is frank welker doing that it would be our second time seeing him i think because uh, he was joanna and we we come back to it later on in the movie too when we do the the magic carpet ride to get out of the cave of wonders and then a third time when we do a uh, whole new world right uh, but we're using it for action scenes and showing the capabilities of this of this computer animation right. compared to like for beauty and the beast was like what if we did one like pan shot of the ballroom or whatever right. instead of like what what we can do with this technology but it's a it's a major leap from what they were doing previous to this i mean they experimented with some computer stuff as far back as like great mouse detective right um yeah to you know varying levels of hokiness each time they've used it <laughs> but i was thinking in when we'll you know when we get there later on but the, uh, the magic carpet ride to get out of the cave like you can tell if you're looking at it that it's cgi yeah. it doesn't jump up like oh this is really bad like yeah. computer stuff it's like oh this is really well done like we're you know there's like one scene where it's like oh that looks a little yeah it's here the, scene, the like first little... person movement of the camera or the carpet escaping the cave later it looks a little like early microsoft screensaver to me right there's a part where it goes off like a big uh yeah. drop off or whatever that looked a little cheesy and fake but sure. the rest of it i thought looked really really good and like a major leap and in, in showing like the possibilities of what we could do with this technology going forward right and the cave of wonders looks a little fake to me too but i don't have a problem with that it's meant to be like this supernatural otherworldly type thing showing up uh you know in front of these two-dimensional cartoon characters like it should feel like a leap forward to me and i think right. it does well and like in jurassic park if you put that cgi in a dark scene you know like like where it's raining it's or whatever in that well. movie here like you're in the desert there's dunes anyway it's you're in the moonlight and so you know it, it's easier to sneak it in and have it look okay definitely i mean we're only like four years away from toy story at this point so the technology is getting there and so he tries to send the minion into the cave only to find out that only the diamond in the rough can uh, can actually enter. And later on in the movie, we go very literal with that, where we have to use a diamond sure. ring to figure out who the diamond is. I feel like this is good use of MacGuffins in general in this story, though, because like we don't know what any of this shit is. But like right from the beginning, it's like, oh, what is this? It's mysterious. Oh, it's leading to this cave. Like we don't have to know. Jafar's not going, we have to find the other piece of the scarab and combine the two, and that will reveal this cave hidden by this thief in the past. Like, you know, none of that information is necessary, so I like that it's not present. Just keep the mysterious item. He has this insatiable need for more power we see all throughout the movie, and so if there's an item he can use to help him you know acquire more power right um he it's not like he's in love with jasmine later on he wants to marry her but it's not because like he you know has the hots for her or whatever he wants to be sultan and if he marries her he'll get to be sultan and so he's willing to do he's very you know machiavellian in in right definitely. trying to do whatever he can to acquire as much power as possible and so, of course, I'll take a chance on this scarab thing and see what it does. And like, oh, there's a lamp and I just need to find a diamond. I can find a diamond in the right. rough. I've got time and, and unlimited resources. Yeah, I got to use this unexplained magical blue diamond ring in my like hourglass cobra projector thing to that's powered by a bicycle <laughs> to uh, show me this random right. hologram of a street rat. With no name. Good thing the guards all know him, because he's a great thief. 
everyone knows his face. <laughs> Maybe he's, you know, he's a legendary thief, like like Catwoman or something. Like I was thinking, like Jack Jack know. Sparrow. Like you got to be the worst pirate I've oh, ever heard of, too. but you have heard of me, right? And we or, meet him um, in this next scene, Constantine from Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, we do, and we get our first sort of Disney anti-hero uh, mm-hmm. in a while. Yeah, I mean, um, I was thinking like where Robin. Most Hood, of your Disney sure. good guys are pretty clear cut. Right. That's what I was thinking. But even Robin Hood is like a noble, which we we show Aladdin, you know, at least being a good guy yeah. later on. But like he's stealing because he wants to help people out. Stealing is not okay to do, which is what makes him an anti-hero. Yeah. But, but I think throughout we hammer home subtly, subtly hammering. That doesn't make sense. We subtly pepper <laughs> in the message of like, it's okay that he's doing this because one, we're going to show that he's a good dude. Because he's gonna give away the bread at the end to the hungry children, and right. two lines like in the song of just like, "Look, gotta steal to eat, gotta eat, gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat. Otherwise, we get along." Like that sums it up, and he's you know smiling and winking right. his way. I mean, through I would argue I don't know how how subtle that is, but yes, I mean, um, kids aren't paying attention to the lyrics of the songs <laughs> that much. Right, I'd say it is. Re- I want to say it's even repeated twice in the song, but um, I don't yeah. Know I think he says it twice, but it has a different ending. At the like, he says, "Got to, got to eat to live, got to steal to eat," and then da 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 on the second time. But I don't remember what it is. But sure, uh, but we've talked about Disney in the past. experts, yeah. self-professed. <laughs> we've got we talked about in the past about a few of these films where like a problem the problem Disney has with making a lovable rogue when they don't actually make their lo- their rogue lovable at all, like. You know, we've talked about Peter Pan. I still think five years later, Peter Pan's a little shit and like suffers no consequences for being a little shit throughout the movie and gets away with it. Right. You had the similar issue with Mr. Toad when we watched that movie. But like, I don't have that problem with Aladdin because we show Aladdin to be a good dude in capital letters all throughout yeah. the film. My first thought was Robin Hood, but then I went to Thomas O'Malley, the alley cat. Sure. And we're like, he has to like, like the, when Aladdin was giving the kid the bread was when I had this thought when um o'malley is you know convincing himself or he's trying to talk himself out of helping out duchess and her and her kittens or whatever it's like right. you're not a cat you're a rat and trying to you know yeah. convince himself to hit the road and not help this family out um aladdin sort of has to have that same moment of do i want to keep this bread that i work so hard to get or give to these kids who clearly right. need it and that's that scene is done you know after this big dramatic you know opening uh you know this exciting sing-along running through all the guards escaping jumping around you know it's it's very exciting and high-paced uh and then he then he sits down and is going to eat the bread and then you know we have this <clears throat> we have sort of this silence uh realization of him looking at the bread looking at the kids he's not like he talks to abu about it or anything like it's done mm-hmm. subtly uh and without dialogue before he goes well here you know obviously the kids need it more and that's that's a good you know good way to show the inner struggle of this guy who probably does have to steal to eat, um, but you know realizing there's other people that have greater needs than him. And the power of that song going into uh, you know setting up all of this, um, bringing in you know Broadway songwriters to do this, and knowing that that's how in a musical uh, you know performance that's how you get across who all your characters are and you need a song to explain that to be catchy and entertaining because that's why the audience is there but also to achieve these narrative goals and that's what this song does as well we know exactly who aladdin is right as not even we don't even have to get to the end of the song to know exactly who he is we watch him you know 
see we get to see him being nimble and a good thief and how clever he is along the way right but also it's over we see he's a good person yeah right but we also he we see how charming it is too because he's you know talking about being a great thief but he's very much you know in danger at the moment but he's trying to sweet talk you know all his friends on the streets or whatever and then you know says the whole like oh i'm not in trouble you're only in trouble if you get caught and then he immediately gets caught like you know he's he's clearly in trouble yeah (laughs) he's clearly having fun with it and that comes through to the audience as well um Right, which is why I think the main guard doesn't really doesn't really hate him. Like he might call him street rat or whatever, but I think they have a relationship where they enjoy this like sort of cat, cat and mouse, mouse thing kind that of they're thing. doing. Yeah. Mm. The main guard, uh Razul, I think is his name. He was also in the T V show a lot, uh, so remember him. Uh I think that's the I'd first his voice name of- is Jim Cummings. Like- right. I think I think that's his first voice appearance. Um he will be in probably every single Disney movie and show going forward. Uh very much a legend of the voice and acting world. Doing the exact same voice that he it, yeah, and most of them. <laughs> he's got a he's got a range of voices. He's doing the exact same voice as uh Pete from Right, Goofy. all the Mickey Mouse shits. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. I, as parents, we've seen a lot of that lately. But yeah, also worth noting, uh, he had some things alleged about him from his, you know, wife he was having a divorce with. I don't know how that ended. I don't know how, you know, the vol- validity to anything that was said. So we're just gonna walk away from Jim Cummings here at the moment. Uh, just you know, very talented voice actor, and we'll leave it at that. But uh, just for a generic guard character, I feel like. Razul is, you know, fairly memorable in his role. You know, even with his and on the TV know, show, he's like the main villain. I think so. Yeah, because Jafar is not, not even villain, villain, but like the Mosin main wrath. Unless we, he has an episode or something, right? So he's the threat, you know, to generally to Aladdin. Yeah. Why isn't that TV show on Disney Plus yet? I want to watch it. God damn it! I don't know. But even you know, he's generally a threat, but he's also got. You know, these bumbling guards with him that he gets to berate as well with the, you know, Abu, you know, holds up a sword to all the guards and the guards are like, oh, he's got a sword. You idiots. We've all got swords. You know, there's there's still <laughs> right. comedy there, even in, you know, these meant to be uh, somewhat dangerous encounters. And then once the song is over and he gives the bread to the children, uh, a, another suitor has arrived to right. uh, try to get Jasmine's hand royal prince dude that's in town and we use this guy as a foil uh for aladdin where he's the opposite of aladdin in every way where he's wealthy and he's snobbish he, and right he's, he tries to whip the poor children in the streets because they're in his way uh you know aladdin stops that but then he you know shit talks aladdin for being a poor street rat and you'll always be a street rat and even your fleas will abandon you or something Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we get the sad, mopey Aladdin song of the riff, raff, street, rap. I don't buy that. Sure. And, you know, <laughs> but the, he sort of gets out his motivation in this song of just like, yeah, you know, everyone thinks I'm poor. Well, I am poor. That's not really part of it. Uh, I don't want to be <laughs> everyone poor. accurately thinks that I'm poor. <laughs> yeah. I got I want so much more. I, it's it's yeah. his. Right. It's his part of your world song. Like, right. Of, you know, I'm part of the rich world i want to be where the people are yeah exactly and he's got this view of the palace which represents all of that um there's a lot of you know debates about 
how much Aladdin and Jasmine really love each other versus how much they love like what the other represents uh, that the movie kind of has right. to deal with as the movie as it goes on. Right. What we have here is basically a, a Prince and the Popper story of, you know, neither one is happy in their environment. And, you know, they sort of end up switching places at various points where, you know, we go from this scene where we are we have a foil of Aladdin and Prince Ahmed and then. We also use Jasmine as a foil to Aladdin as well, where like he, you know, laments that he doesn't have the freedom to do what he wants to do because he's so poor or whatever. Right. Jasmine has all the wealth that you could imagine having, but she but also doesn't have, doesn't have any real freedom because she's a woman, like because, right. you know, everything is decided for her. Right. Um, Which she gets in this scene, uh, the next scene where she's talking with Raja and her father. Uh, Raja's not talking, right. but <laughs> right. But I feel like the Sultan character is really well done because, yeah, you know, by the conventions of his country, he has to decide things for his daughter. It's unheard of that she could decide things for herself, not even right. for his of just his country, but for the time period, right? Um, and for fairy tales in general, right? Um, Plus, he's a single dad just trying to make it, you know, right? But it's it's clear he loves his daughter. He wants yeah. her to be happy. It's not. He's not uh, some sort of evil. He's, stepmother situation well like, he's not even he like King Triton to... at this point like he's not ordering her around and stuff like he's being very bargaining with her right other than you know he feels like he has to work within the conventions that are around him work within the system and right she's got to get married it's up to me to make sure this happens I'm getting older and worried about passing on you know right. rule of the country which is a responsibility he has as as a sovereign yeah. But at the same time, which spoilers for the end of the film, he's also the dude in charge. Like, you know, it's good to be the king. He can do whatever he wants. He could change all the fucking rules. And he figures he that does. out. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know. But it never occurs to him at this point because he is kind of simple and he's right. largely a comedic figure. But I do feel like he's an important character for establishing. Right. You know, that he does love her and it's not a... Um, He's not, like you said, he's not Triton ordering her around and being unreasonable. He's right. He's and, trying to be on her side. And we have some subtle, uh, you know, actions taking place while this conversation, this exposition conversation going on uh, about, you know, the law says you have to be married by your next birthday and all that. But while this is happening, Jasmine walks up to like this bird cage and takes this bird out and, you know pets it or whatever you know smiling princess disney stuff uh but then sultan walks up and takes the bird back and puts it back in the cage and locks it and you know but then disney or disney then jasmine opens the cage and all the birds fly out like there's it's not the most subtle but you know it's clear freedom being released from the cage that's you know how jasmine feels why is the cage bird sing with the uh you know, to sort of put the finishing touch on the importance of the Sultan character later on in the movie, he's going to stand up to Jafar uh, at one point, you know, to not the greatest success, but he at least tries to stand up to him. Um, we'll get to it later, but he, because Jasmine's asked him to, like he's willing right. uh, to do things for her as much as he can. He just feels like he's stuck um, on, on making sure she gets a partner. But obviously she's not impressed with Prince Ahmed once she meets him. We get it revealed here that Jafar does work for the, the Sultan. We've seen Jafar before, but we, he didn't mention, by the way, I work in the palace. And now we see, uh, oh, this this sweet old man who's running this country is probably being, you know, puppeted around by Jafar, who's really in control and or at least is seeking more power, whether he's we don't know how <clears throat> how in control he is at this point. But right. I don't Does he do the snake 
you know, staff brainwashing thing this early, or is that... I don't I don't think he does at this point, but just, you know, we've seen him out in the desert and seen, you know, what he's up to, and now right. we know his actual job. Right. And so he has a conversation with Sultan to get this magical blue diamond Phillips uh, ring that we don't know anything else about. Um, and then, then also we see, you know, after that happens, then we see Jasmine sneaking out. Uh, Raja tries to stop her, but she's disguising herself and climbing over the wall and stuff. Um, on the topic of Raja and Abu as well, um, I was wondering if this was the first time we're seeing animal companions, uh, for our Disney baby faces that don't talk, but are still clearly communicating with them, you know, in sort of a Han and Chewie dynamic. Cause that's like a staple Probably. of every Disney animated movie I can think of these days. Um, yeah. You know. Some of them like Cinderella had animal companions, but they could talk, you know? Right. Um, yeah, they had, they had their own conversations and stuff going on, but I, you know, Frozen's got, you know, the reindeer and Moana had the pig and the chicken and, you know, mm-hmm. trying, I'm struggling to think of any other recent ones, but I feel like that's a very common thing and I can't think of any instances before this. So Yeah. What's, what's his name? Baymax. Sort yeah. of like that too. Where I mean, I guess he can talk, but he also makes some, he doesn't fully get it and sometimes has to, right. you know, blah, 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 blah. like, but yeah, so she sneaks out, um, disguises herself as a poor person, even though, you know, later on she's going to have problems with Aladdin pretending to be something he's not. The first time Aladdin right. meets her, she's pretending to be something she's not, but, you right. know, women. Deceit is a part of this romantic plot that's kind of a main focus of the film, which is not great. Right. Uh, I feel like they work through it, but, you know, it's not the best example of healthy relationships. Right. Anyway, so she doesn't know how money works and just assumes you can just take stuff whenever you want it because that's how she's lived her whole life. But she's doing the same thing Aladdin was doing, which is feeding poor children because she sees a kid True. get an apple and can't. And... I was going to say, though, despite not understanding how money works, she does adjust very quickly when Aladdin wants her to play along with like, oh, this is my sister and she's kind of dumb. Right. Like she gets that right away in a way you wouldn't expect her to like. True. She um, said she's never had a real like, friend before. You can't talk to me that way. Yeah. Right. So, but she you knew know, exactly what to do to play along with that. Kind of surprising in this similar to like a Belle being quarantined in the castle situation, but for her whole life. I mean, maybe she had servants and stuff to talk to and befriend and play little made up games with or whatever. But, you know, seems like this improv exercise would have been difficult for someone who's maybe not the most well adjusted to society, but. Yeah, and, and under pretty high stakes where, like, people are pointing pointing weapons at you and stuff and, like, right. getting angry with you. Uh, yeah, then cut to a scene of Jafar doing his magical shit and he sees a picture of Aladdin. It's like, okay, the guards, go get him. Uh, and then... Then we go back to Aladdin and Jasmine at his hangout and they're both... Right. Something else Jasmine apparently has is, like, some ninja warrior, like, parkour skills here when they're... You know, pole vaulting <laughs> across rooftops and stuff. And it's like, okay, I guess you have a lot of free time at the palace. Maybe this is part of your exercise program or something. But I'm a little surprised the princess is just able to do this. But, you know, 90s girl power is also part well, of it. Well, I mean, she's clearly she's clearly in shape and her only friend is a tiger. Like, maybe they just spend the day <laughs> pouncing on things. like Maybe. <laughs> and, you know, leaping. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so he goes. She goes back to his uh, hideout with him, and they both talk about freedom and how they're they're unhappy right. in their lives or whatever. They, yeah, they're clearly on opposite sides of the wealth gap, but they feel like they have the same problems. They both feel trapped and want you know 
the opposite of what their life is. You know, Aladdin wants the luxury and uh, Jasmine wants the freedom. And then at the moment where it's looking like some things are going to go down romantically, then the guards bust in. Things are going down. (laughs) Well, yeah. You didn't get that idea that that's where that was heading? (laughs) It depends on how romantic we're getting. I don't know. I do think it's sort of, this is jumping ahead a little bit, like they have their first kiss in the middle of the movie and not at the end of the movie. Um, It's sort of different for the way a lot of Disney princess movies end up going, you know? Yeah. Where they kiss at the end of Whole New World and not... Yeah, that is kind of a... uh... Uh, shift I guess you could say in our storytelling because like them falling in love right. isn't the end of the story because like spoilers they've been lying to each other <laughs> for mostly Aladdin's been lying since the beginning so but the story has to kind of continue after true love's first kiss right. or and whatever. because the unlike all the other fairy fairy tales we've done previously like the problem for these two characters is not that they're looking for love and haven't found it like love isn't like it is a problem that they have but it is not either of their main problems and so like they found each other and they're you know happy in their relationship or whatever but that doesn't fix everything else like so they still have to deal with jafar and right and move and on I, solve yeah the other I, issues. I think i think that nature of the story kind of uh separates it a bit from like the only other like romance plot I can really remember at this point is like Lady and the Tramp because most of the other films were like romance just kind of happened in like the third act like it wasn't really we followed the plots um, and that one was similar in a way of like oh you know they're from different sides of the street or that's not a saying different sides of the tr- of the tracks different sides of town you know different <laughs> walks of life right <laughs> different sides of the street from each other um you know and and that felt we enjoyed it at the time but it did feel awfully cliche and like rom-commy and you don't get nearly as much of that cringe from jasmine and aladdin i don't think at least i personally don't um but there's, there's also a lot more going on in the plot so i feel like that's part of it but even the stuff it's like you know do you trust me and you know them having sort of a holding hands you know moment of excitement in the middle of a fight is uh, that's a lot you know, more interesting to their uh, romance plot here, I guess. But when the guards come in, she has to reveal herself as the princess, but right. it doesn't do any good because the guards say, well, I basically say, I don't work for you. Jafar <laughs> gave me these orders right. and he's in charge. Like, which is, I, I'm not, him. yeah, I'm not entirely sure how the power hierarchy works here. Uh, but like, I mean, I think you can assume woman is pretty far down. Right. Like, that's the problem. Uh <laughs> In, in most ladders at the time i was comparing it to game <laughs> of thrones which this metaphor won't work on you anyway but like i'm pretty sure not you know, unless it happened in the first two or three episodes <laughs> little fingers ordering some shit but then joffrey ordered some different shit like the guards were gonna listen to joffrey because prince outranks vizier but again woman is what messes this up so exactly. jasmine does not so. have that kind of power but she, when she gets back to the palace, is not afraid to go and confront Jafar about this and, you know, right. demand that he be released. And uh, Jafar tells him that he's already been executed um, or he's going to. I don't know if he actually. The boy he, was making he, noise. And so I don't remember <laughs> if he told him he'd already been or if he was going to be. He says he's already been executed, but that was not That's true, what I obviously. thought. But then, like, when later on, when she 
figures out that uh, Abubu is Aladdin, <laughs> mm-hmm. like she's not. Oh my God, you're alive! I'm so happy. She goes straight to like, well, make sure and tell Abu I said hi or whatever. It's like, right? You thought he was dead? Like, yeah, why you aren't cried you, over like, him. Relieved? Thing. Like, yeah. You're just like, how oh, did you cool. get out of that? Alive, what is this now? I'm mad room? at him. Like yeah. for not telling me. Like, yeah. What is this disguise? I didn't yeah. really question that, but you're right. You I mean, I never had before today. That. Like, right? Yeah. Yeah, she confronts Jafar. She's very bold um, in that. Jafar uh, says he's already been executed. Uh, later on, uh, the Sultan's going to get on to Jafar for carrying out these sentences without talking to him first or whatever. Right. And that's when Jafar uses the snake on him. Uh, but you're right. Then we go to the pit where we see uh, Aladdin and an old man who says, you know, I was born in the pit. <laughs> you merely adopted the darkness. Yep. Terrible Bane impression. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't the word. I knew what you were going for, so. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Aladdin's all mopey, and he thinks the princess probably hates him for being stupid and poor and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, so Jafar in disguise shows up, so, uh, and yeah, says, hey, I got this cave. You got to go to it. I'll get you out of here. Do this for me, and I'll, you know, save your life or whatever. And so Aladdin, being the diamond in the rough, can go in this cave, and we don't understand anything about how that decision process is made. You know, what sort of cave magic is going on there. But for some reason, you know, he's got the destiny going in his favor. So he's able to go in and so let's go straight to the cave and get to the good stuff. Oh, outside of golf, like, are there other times you can use the word rough as a noun? Like, to be like diamond, <laughs> the diamond in, the, in rough. the rough. Like, what is the rough? Like, like what is that? Like, that's a good it's point. It's only used in this phrase and golf. Like, yeah, that's the time when rough can be a noun. <laughs> I, you know, that doesn't, is that an acronym? Like, is that phrase true? Is truly, is that phrase older than golf? Like, did rough only stick I think, around? I, I don't think they're related. Etymology wise. Just, oh, you don't think I so? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. This is a thing I was pondering today. Like, diamond <laughs> in the rough. Rough is weird. Why rough? Like, why is that a saying? Fair enough. Which rhymes Scruff with rough. Scruff McGruff. And that's the stuff. The girls can't get enough. Um... <laughs> So we very clearly lay out, hey, go in this cave, get the lamp, don't touch anything else. Uh, but along the way, we step all over this magic carpet that, that apparently wasn't a problem right. Which, that we touched. Yeah, I was going to mention that. And earlier on, when he was sending in the minion into the Cave of Wonders, he told him, touch whatever you want, get whatever you want, but the lamp is mine. And now True. it's don't touch anything but the lamp. Um, where I mean, maybe the cave itself pointed that out to Jafar, and I just didn't notice, but I don't think that was a thing we said um, yeah, I don't think so either, but maybe the cave was like, I'm going to eat this fucker anyway. Like, I don't care. <laughs> we don't need to tell him all the rules. He's not allowed to be here anyway. anyway. But right, Aladdin, so how did Jafar he meets the qualifications. Them, like, yeah. Yeah, it is so Jafar that says it, isn't all the, it? All the steps. I thought it was the Cave yeah, of Wonders so. that said it, but no, Jafar is like, you can touch anything what you want, but yeah. the lamp is mine. Wait, but right, that's yeah, the first conversation. The minion. Right. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I don't know. I don't remember who establishes that Aladdin can't touch anything. I think it's But the apparently cave. the rug is fine for touching. Like yeah. the rug is not part of the treasure. It just I guess it is a sentient creature. Like maybe it is not, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not part of the treasure. It just happens to be trapped in there. Yeah, apparently the carpet was a bit of a challenge to animate for this film, because uh, it's you know, one of those things that's digital and traditional animation at the same time. You know, like they animated a rug and then like, you know, digitally put the 
pattern and everything on it. Um, and I've heard it's also uh, like a challenge for animators is to do something like magic carpet here is uh, take like an inanimate object and animate it to have, I think it's got to be weight and a personality, which, you know, they accomplish both of those with carpet, which, right. you know, this inanimate thing is able to show emotions of like, you know, excitement and pointing and then like sad and mopey when it's not feeling, uh, you know, useful or whatever. Right. Yeah. I would compare it to, to the, the dad from onward where like those legs throughout the movie. Yeah, definitely. Emotion and feeling, you know, even though they don't have a face and don't have, you know, right. Ways that you would normally assume for showing emotion. Uh, same thing with the carpet here that they're able, you can understand how the carpet is feeling when it's playful, when it's sad, when it's, you know, right being heroic or whatever without a face or you know any other way to demonstrate that yeah or any sound or anything just right yeah which is very impressive um you know i'm not by any means an animation expert uh but i used to watch a lot of ego raptors stuff on youtube so that's where all my info of the biz comes from um (laughs) but we go through this cave and hey guess what we found a big lamp um and it kind of looks like the I was going to say kind of looks like in uh, Treasure of the Lost Lamp, same yeah. sort of setup where it's like on a thing, an island kind of in the middle of nowhere, and they've got to like get across to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we, we reviewed that probably close to a year ago now. Check out that episode if you haven't heard it. Um, but we kind of realized that film was just like training wheels for Aladdin along the way. It's just like, yeah, what if we did a story about... Uh, you know, someone finding a magic lamp and making wishes and there's a genie that we want to free by the end of it. And it's like, we've definitely yeah, we'll learned... get a, we'll get a comedian to play the genie. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we upgraded you know, way. Oh yeah, definitely from rip, rip Taylor to we learned rip a Thorn lot of... would have been an upgrade from, or not rip Thorn. Damn it. Rip Torn would have been an upgrade from rip Taylor. Like we, uh, learned a lot of lessons. Are there other famous film, rips? None that I'm a rip Rogers famous. <laughs> oh Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So there's at least three famous rips. Uh, we learned a lot of lessons from that film, I'd say. Mainly the fact that the guy getting all the wishes and gold and wealth and happy shit uh, isn't also the richest family on the planet. Like, if that was the main issue with DuckTales was like, what if the rich guys got more stuff? Yay! <laughs> They'll be the good guys. Yeah, I remember that being the main thing in our review was like, we just talked about privilege and right. how much it sucks to, you know, not have money. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's going to grab the lamp, but Abu is distracted by, a you know, a big jewel and touches that first. And then, oh shit, everything's melting. The Cave of Wonders is going to eat us. We got to run and get out of here. And this is when we have our big CGI escape. Um, and yeah, I think I think most of it looks good. Some of the first person camera type stuff was a, a little bit off, but... In gen, I don't think it hurts the film really. Right, I think it's important that it's a boo that touches the, the jewel and makes it all go to shit, and not right. Aladdin himself, since he's supposed to be our our hero or, right, you know, he's a, he's our main character and he's supposed to you know be he has these positive traits and he's supposed to generally be a good role model. Like it's good right. that it's a boo that's the one that's that yeah. uh, is tempted here. Yeah, and we don't hammer home this you know aspect of the film at any point, but like guy growing up on the streets like you got to have a good head on your shoulders like he has to use his brain and his quick wit and all you know charisma as well as a big part of it but like he's he's very careful and quick thinking about these things throughout the film and you know 
spoilers for the end of it, you know, his cleverness is what defeats the bad guy in the end. Um, True. So, like, it. But dude is literally. I was gonna say it. It wouldn't help much if he turned into a dumbass here and grabbed the wrong thing. Like, right. But dude is literally starving. Like, he's never had any money at all in his right. life, and now he has to walk past all of this gold. Yeah, and he's that not could turn his whole life anything. around. Like, yeah. yeah, he has. He wasn't told like if you touch the gold, you'll be down here forever. Like, he didn't know True. what the consequences would be. Yeah, but... he did say like, "Wow, just a handful of this, I'd be richer than the Sultan." But like, he isn't tempted to grab any i don't know right but you know he gets you know the big cgi chase it's very exhilarating the music in the scene is very exciting and you know memorable uh but they they fly out on the magic carpet and get to the entrance and they're hanging off the thing and you know this is when jafar does his big heel turn and is gonna stab him and you know gets the lamp before he saves him preview the scar moment from lion king true yeah your eternal reward <laughs> he falls and abu falls with him and jafar is like yes i won and he's reaching for his pocket but then he realizes, oh no the lamp i don't have it because that these damn thieves they're too quick-fingered and they <laughs> took it away right surprise the burglar burgled mm-hmm. for you know the thing that he wanted so we get the scene fades away with jafar just screaming in the desert uh and then we go back to Jasmine, who's all depressed. Uh, naturally, her boyfriend just got murdered. Uh, but yeah, she's depressed, and that's the whole scene, I guess. Because the next thing is now we're back with Aladdin in the cave, and guess what? Robin Williams is here. So then he finally rubs the lamp, and uh, the genie is released, and we get full on Robin Williams from there. Yeah, pretty much until the end of the movie. Uh, you know pantomiming for the audience and uh doing various impressions and yeah i don't know how we could convey it or how really any of you haven't seen this fucking movie it's aladdin everyone knows what genie does (laughs) in this shit uh but it's still great like i didn't feel like any of it aged poorly you know that's a big thing with comedy but like i feel like they did a good job other than maybe some of the people he's doing impressions of don't last you know throughout history as being they're maybe not timeless impressions but I feel like most of them come across and then we sing never had a friend like me, which is an absolute like all timer of a Disney song, Uh, which I mean, honestly, we've gotten we've talked on and on about the wild success of the music of these past, you know, several films since bringing in Ashman and uh, the music guy. Minkin. Minkin. Yes. Minkin. Since bringing them in. But like we've clearly had massive like franchise powering. uh fucking anthems in the middle of each of these movies that could go in all the commercials and are immediately memorable it's like under the sea fucking uh be our guest and you never never had a friend like me are all very the top top tier of fucking disney classic songs here and i mean this one's right up there Mm -hmm. with them there's a reason we made it our talk and snack theme Right. And even within that song, he finds a way to continue doing impressions all throughout it, too. So he's working in those and different characters as the genie within that song. Right. Too. And making loads of like cultural jokes, you know, Alibaba, 40 Thieves, Baklava. Like, there's a whole lot of just peppered in things that don't really immediately fit with the story because they're, you know, modern references and such. Back to Robin Williams and something I should have mentioned earlier on. Uh, I also listened to this long interview with Hank Azaria once where they were talking to him about making The Birdcage, which is a fantastic movie if you've never seen it. Is he in that? Um, I don't remember that. He is. 
yeah, he's like their maid um, okay, that yeah. lives with them or whatever. Yeah. Never, never wears a shirt. Yeah, it's been a long time. But anyway, uh, he talked about like they would be on set or whatever, and like he'd be in catering. It would just be like him sitting there, and then like Robin would come in and like would be full on Robin on doing his thing, like for just uh, Hank. Like Hank would yeah. be sitting there. And uh, right, and Robin would be like, "Well, what'd you do last night?" And he was like, "Oh, I, I went bowling." He's like, "Oh, bowling, hell of a thing!" And like, would do like his whole like ten minute thing on bowling or whatever. And Hank's like, "It's it's just me, man. Like, you can just yeah. tell me what you did. Like, you don't have, like. I mean, obviously he was laughing and having a good time, but he was like, this is just who he was all the time, um, right. for better or for worse. But um, yeah, have you ever seen his bit on uh, golf, like the history of golf or whatever? It's probably one of his more Mm-hmm. well-known ones yeah so so you do this once yeah fuck no 18 fucking times <laughs> right yeah it's all i remember from it but um <laughs> but yeah I'll, um back on the songs like all these great ass uh you know memorable franchise songs that we're getting here uh all in a row like this i wonder how much how many more films we got before that bubble burst like how uh how memorable is it gonna be when we're reaching like hunchback of notre dame and <laughs> Uh, Hercules and shit. Like, I don't think we're going to be on the same quality tier. Right. I mean, Hercules, the music is great in Hercules. It is, but uh, like... I mean, the music is great in Hercules. Plus, the internet would tell you, and this is not a thing that I feel, but maybe I'm too old for, that, you know, that Phil Collins put, you know, his whole foot into uh, the Tarzan soundtrack. Of, yeah, Just maybe. It went way harder than he had to go. But, and maybe we'll feel that way when we rewatch it. I haven't watched it, you know in a long damn time but <laughs> saw it in theaters it was the last one right. the only song i even yeah the only one i even remember is the like rosie o'donnell like scat song from it like because rosie's in that one as well since you know celebrities which yeah i know now it's hard in 2021 to imagine rosie o'donnell being a major oh, celebrity but at that time like she had the like biggest daytime talk show that was going right you know I, I was doing some what's rosie up to now research recently uh just various tv guest spots over the last 15 years in case you were wondering yeah. nothing major she's uh, a good follow on the twitter oh i didn't know she was active there oh yeah she's not normally funny she just uh is just normally angry and you know way mm. liberal and so that's fun you've frozen again so you have to I'm hoping we don't have any issues oh can you move okay. some? You're sitting very still, so I'm not sure. Okay, I think we're back yeah, to normal. I'm not actually frozen. I'm just tired. <laughs> I get it. It would have been great if we could have started at seven, but you know, that's kind yes. of the issue with recording these sometimes is like, it's hard to find time. And if we do, it's often late at night and then we're like fucking sleepy and we don't want to, you know, it's hard to get right. through all these with enough energy. And we clearly go also, on a bunch of fucking tangents. And I get this is a very, like, whiny-ass thing, but, like, this chair that's in this room is the least comfortable chair anyone's <laughs> ever been in. So, like, uh, so it's just like, oh, my God, let's go. <laughs> uh, okay, well, enough about Rosie. Let's move on. We set up the rules of the uh, uh, wish granting, which is very important. It's good we get that out story-wise, but we do it in a comedic enough way, but it's clearly like, hey, everyone, pay attention. One, two, three. These are the fucking rules. Something we did not at all yeah, do. explain the rules while I get a pillow. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, you know, rule number one, uh, I can't bring, I can't kill anybody, I can't bring anybody back from the dead, and I can't make anyone fall in love, which only one of those is plot important, but we go through them all. Uh, 
And it's something we didn't at all do in the DuckTales genie movie when it was just like, uh, that's the one wish I can't make after listing seven other wishes he can't make. Like, the point is, fuck that genie. Uh, but this genie is the best. So we're stuck. So now the problem is Aladdin is still stuck in this cave. Yeah, he's got a cool genie friend, but how's he going to get out of here? And this, again, you know, Aladdin quickly quickly uses his cleverness to get out of here because he outsmarts genie by just kind of talking shit about him until genie, you know, has to prove his powers by getting him out of the cave. Uh, but he leads genie to believe that he made a wish, but then later says, no, I didn't actually wish for anything. You just fucking did that. And, you know. Right. I think there's a general skepticism that comes from being uh, as poor and miserable as Aladdin is. I'm that, certain. Like, so, you know, oh, yeah, you've got magical powers. Well, I'm going to say that you don't have them and try to get you to demo them before I just start wishing and look foolish. Like, right. Um, so. And you're right. There's a cleverness to it, too, of like, I don't have to waste a wish on getting out of here. Exactly. Um, but you kind of think Genie might have, like, encountered that before. Like, he's been through a bunch of masters before. Surely he'd be like, oh, everyone thinks they're so clever to wish this stuff out. Maybe, but, but maybe it's so hard to get the lamp that, you know, the type maybe. of person who would do all that would be so power hungry or whatever. They're just instantly going sure. to, like, they've got their list ready. They're ready to, like, here's right. what I want. Let's do this. But Aladdin is not power hungry, which we reveal in, you know, the next scene when we're talking about things he could wish for. Because uh, then... You know, we get to Genie's He's the first one to ever ask, yeah, ever yeah. ask the Genie, what would you want? Exactly. Like, and, of course, Genie would wish to be freed because, hey, he's kind of a slave and that shit sucks. <laughs> and, you know, but the only way he would ever get free is if the guy that, you know, has, is his slaver would wish him free. Uh, which, why would they ever do that? But, of course, Aladdin, being a good dude, says that he will. And uh, right after that, we get our first of many, many instances of Genie immediately referencing a Disney thing, which, you know, is something he does a bunch in this film. But I, that first joke where he just, oh, yeah, sure, you'll, you know, you'll free me, I believe that, and he immediately turns into Pinocchio and does the whole nose thing. And that joke hits because it's A, out of nowhere, B, completely unexpected. It hadn't happened in any disney film at this point being self-referential uh i guess chihuahua saying hi ho here we go or whatever and that's not a song <laughs> home from work we go that's it <laughs> in it at the end of oliver and company but no one fucking remembers that and you know the joke just is timed so well and hits and doesn't even need like a oh you're lying this is the joke it's just pinocchio even kids would be like oh lie i get it he doesn't believe him he's saying he's a liar and that's important plot-wise. So, like, it's bang, bang, bang. All these things work in, you know, a quick snap of a joke like that. So I was going to say we have three characters in the story now who have complained about a lack of, of freedom, that their goal mm -hmm. is freedom. Um, Jasmine, because she can't make any of her own decisions, even though she's wealthy. Aladdin, because no matter what decision he makes, his life is not going to get any better. Um, it's just going to stay shitty. And right. then the genie has unlimited power, but can't use it for himself yeah. and can't make any decisions Shackles. of his own. He can only grant, yeah, he can only grant others wishes. And so freedom is something they're all uh, yearning for. Definitely. And, but the one guy who's not yearning for freedom is yearning for power. And, you know, spoilers, he's going to get that later in the film and then be taken down by a lack of freedom at right. the end. Well, and he, he takes others' freedom from them. He's taken the yep. Sultan's freedom to decide things um, using his staff. He will, you know, uh, lock up Jasmine at one point in that hourglass. Um, well, previously, like, using her for a servant anyway, having her dress up 
you know, in that red outfit or whatever, which mm-hmm. isn't actually more revealing. This isn't a like slave Leia outfit. I was going to bring already... that up. Yeah, I, I just had a general like question for the horny part of the internet. Like, where's where's slave Jasmine at? There's been, you know, countless slave Leia all over. You know, the nerd community and everyone's horny for that. But like, you know, Jasmine gets the same kind of slave outfits yeah. and chains on her, and I don't. I'm not saying. But I'm saying, you know, where where's this representation of, you know, sexy slave Jasmine? All right. I mean, I think that's what it is, is that her actual outfit is not is not any more revealing than what she was wearing previously. Where like, with sure, Leia, it is, a, you know, noted difference. There's also scantily clad women all throughout this movie. Like that's true. When yeah. Prince Ali makes his entrance and uh, there's a harem there's, even before that when he right. He drops in on a on a harem or on a whatever. I can't remember the word other than whorehouse. What's the non-whorehouse word? The polite word? Brothel. Yes, that's the word. <laughs> uh, we're getting Dropped. slappy, aren't we? He drops in on a whorehouse. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so anyway, he, he talks to the genie and, yeah, you know, asks I was going to back, back up a scene. We okay. have, well, we didn't miss much, but, uh, well, we did miss much, but it's quick, uh, of Jafar and... Uh, Iago coming up with the bright idea of like, well, first Sultan makes Jasmine and uh, Jafar attempt to hash it out. Jasmine says, hey, when I get married, I'm going to kill you or banish you, one of the two. And, you know, Jafar and Iago kind of uh, have to discuss that and and realize like, oh, shit, we might be in trouble. And Iago's like, yeah, you know, the chump daughter is going to marry some chump husband and have us both killed or whatever. But then he's like, wait, what if you were the chump husband? And that's when we get like, oh, hey, you could be Sultan and then you could have all the power and all you have to do is marry Jasmine, which means all we have to do is convince Sultan to make this happen. So that kind of reveals where this plot is going. And then we go back to Aladdin and Genie on an island somewhere. Right. Where uh, Genie says, so what are you going to wish for? Well, that's when Aladdin says, well, I didn't wish it. You you did it without me wishing or whatever. Um, And then. He says, well, I don't know what I want to wish for. What would you wish for? And that's the first time anyone has right. asked Jeannie that. And then he starts to say, well, there's this girl. And then Jeannie says, well, you know, I can't make anyone fall in love. And so then Aladdin wishes to be a prince instead. Right. I've always had questions, even as a kid, as to, like, how this works. Like, how do you just, like, be a prince? And how do you, like, all he really needs to do is convince everyone he's a prince, right? Which he does, obviously. But, like... Does Genie create this kingdom out of nowhere? Does he get some sort of special, like, uh, genealogy paperwork? Like, does he get, like, a fake 23andMe to show to everybody of, hey, here's my uh, prince title? Yeah, I mean, those are all fair questions if we end up in some sort of, like, WandaVision situation where, like, (laughs) we've created this new kingdom and these people have to be his his subjects now or we just gloss over that. I mean, there's a parade of people that come to town with him. It's like, are they all genie projecting himself? Or did... Right. I mean, he could have just wished for a makeover. Like... Right. Which is basically what he gets. Exactly. But, you know. Or a stingier genie might have said, okay, you're a prince now. Do you want fancy clothes? Because that'll be wish number two. Like... <laughs> it's true. Uh, but then after that, we get a scene of Jafar, you know, trying to... Uh, sneakily show Sultan this paperwork that he's found saying like, Hey, if you can't find a, a suitable suitor, that's surely that's not the phrase he used, but 
to to be you know to marry your daughter uh oh what's this it'll have to be the royal vizier and you know sultan doesn't quite believe it so he starts brainwashing him and being like you will get the princess to marry me and then we get the funny moment of uh sultan like repeating that and then slowly breaking out and going but you're so old <laughs> and then <laughs> falling back into the trance like that's still funny there's a few good funny laughs in this film that hold up even after seeing it a bazillion times i'd say right then then the trance being broken again as trumpets announce the arrival of prince ali ali ababwa uh, i believe this was the only howard ashman song to like survive uh they there was more written early on but a lot of them got cut uh apparently like honestly before howard ashman was even like cold in the ground they were like okay we got to change a bunch of shit about this story uh let's lose a lot of what he was writing for this thing various subplots involving like aladdin's mother and stuff and yeah well and he's the uh he made the music he's the li- right not he's the, lyrics. the lyricist because but also oh, was, yes but was also heavily involved in storyboarding and all that and general story elements throughout because they bring in tim rice who goes on to do uh lion king right after but he's this. a lyricist for lion but king like right because in... elton john just does music oh that's yeah. right because elton can do lyrics yeah yeah, right. yeah that's right mm-hmm. okay so i had it backwards yeah yeah, yeah. never mind Mink- minkin is okay. the the music guy never mind and honestly i i don't know i was gonna say like lyrically i don't know if this film holds up as well uh as the previous t- you know two big musicals just because there's like a few i don't know jokey cringy lines in there this mostly comes from me listening to the soundtracks of these movies a lot over the past year or two uh and just hearing things like uh in the one jump a song uh there's a joke about like should have used a nom de plume and it's like why would that phrase be in here like why are we suddenly speaking french in this arabian film like i don't know and whole new world we'll get to but there's there's just a few lines that really make aladdin seem douchey (laughs) we'll wait on that yeah well i mean even douchiness aside like some of the lyrics in in a few of the songs like nom de plume or whatever using very like elevated vocabulary that doesn't belong in a in a children's movie like and for characters who wouldn't have had that elevated it's not just that that's french because like it's used in english too but also by like a higher you know more educated level of society than Aladdin would have been you know and it feels like we wrote it because we needed a rhyme there and like oh this works why not but it it feels kind of sloppy I think that's the danger in bringing in like Broadway guys too like the audience that would go to see a Broadway play is a different audience than right children's movies and so like that's a funny phrase or you know a clever phrase to use there for your like ha 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 crowd (laughs) and not (laughs) and not your you know kids movie sure every day i was i was gonna blame this all on tim rice or is that his name the the second songwriter that came in after ashman's death but like this yeah if this is the only ashman song it has some weird lines too in it uh like toward i think this is my only time watching this movie with subtitles on where i caught lyrics to this song i never heard before there's definitely a verse about like how prince ali's slaves all love him he's got like slaves and servants and <laughs> da 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 and they're lousy with loyalty or something is the line it's just like oh that's kind of weird like i don't think you should say let's just leave the slaves out of this film (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but uh yeah so he arrives with this big parade genie sings a song everyone has a good time especially the sultan who's in love with this new suitor uh he gets to ride around on the 
magic carpet and have a good time. And in the meantime, uh, Jafar's kind of grilling Aladdin on his uh, supposed heritage and royalty. And in the meantime, Jasmine is watching this and not having any of it. Right, because it's another arrogant prince right. and perhaps even more arrogant than the last one that came. Right. In Jafar's case, like he's questioning him, but I don't think he suspects that it's Aladdin. No. Because um, as far as he knows, there's no way out of that cave once you get trapped in there. Right. So, I think he just thinks his plan's going to fall apart now, especially when Sultan is like, hey, if this works out, you won't have to marry Jasmine. And he's like, great. Right. He does ask prince abubu like where this kingdom he comes from is and he's like oh i'm sure it's much farther than you've ever traveled and try me right spoilers jasmine doesn't like that the three men uh are all arguing about her life and choices that she doesn't get to make and all that so she storms out given the time period it's sort of amazing she didn't get like stoned for this like Perhaps this type of like I'll decide yeah. for myself sort of She's like got a very easy going dad. All, yes, she absolutely right, absolutely had the right to ask for these things by our standards, right. but not by the standards of the day. The right, crazy heretical viewpoint that she should get to decide yeah. for herself. I, I think that is a small thing going for this film in like the message department. It does kind of show that like, hey society can make changes you know like they don't have to be big scary things like you know jasmine can ask for more for herself and for you know women not women everywhere really but (laughs) royal women in this society uh yeah i don't think she's trying to be a trailblazer in any way i don't think so either for her own like you know betterment of her own life but she she says hey, the law should change to make things, you know, better for me specifically. And Sultan's like, yeah, why not? We'll change the laws. But I mean, that's still a good message of just like, yeah, you can change laws. Like, that's fine. That's something, you know, certain countries should consider doing far more often. Allow more things and update some things, you know. So Aladdin tries to fly up on the magic carpet to her balcony and, you know, a Romeo and Juliet sort of scene here uh, the genie gives him a pep talk ahead of time about just tell her the truth she's not into this prince character anyway just be yourself she seemed to enjoy the time she spent with aladdin in street rat form earlier in the movie if you just try to be yourself maybe she'll you know be into that too and she'll understand that this is this is a disguise in the same way if we want to go back to robin hood the same way maid marion uh, goes along with uh, Robin's disguise at the archery contest where she knows that's really Robin but she pretends you know that she doesn't know so so his you know disguise works during the contest but anyway she's continues to not be impressed with him when he first shows up um, tells him to just jump off the balcony or whatever and um, he knowing his magic carpet is down there does uh, act like he's going to jump off there which gets her attention and uh, it's, it's a real turning point in their uh, relationship. Right, because dramatic teenagers like, oh, well, I guess I'll just step off this balcony then. <laughs> like, sure, he wasn't actually going to be right. injured in any process but or in, in, in any way, but Jasmine didn't know that. Right, but he, he does agree that she should get to decide for herself, which, you know, she appreciates that someone's giving her that respect, right. and then when he's willing to jump off when she tells him to, she considers going on this carpet ride with him, right. and then he says the magic line, do you trust me? Which she's immediately just like, okay, like, you know. But again, like we brought up earlier, like, she thinks that guy is dead. True, like, but it's also like a 
Clark Kent Superman situation here. Like they look exactly the same and sound exactly the same. That is what yeah, a great disguise. True. He put on a hat, but <laughs> it worked. But she thinks he's dead is the other reason it works. It's like, true. Or should should think he's dead at least. So we go on a magic carpet ride to see a whole new world with uh sadly it's I wish it was Steppenwolf instead, but <laughs> Well, it's a song that I walk around uh hum into myself all all year long, just like no matter how long how long it's been since I've seen this movie, I'm just like da 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 I've got like an elevator <laughs> version of it that I kinda like da 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 Tip your waitresses. Da 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 I know what our post credits gonna be. I'm just gonna let you roll for a while. I figured out what I was gonna say next. On the songwriting thing, one of the earliest lines. One of the earliest lines in this film is like, tell me, princess, I didn't meter this outright, but when (laughs) you last let your heart decide, and like, I get they don't know each other all that well yet, but like, she literally lets her heart decide all throughout this film, that's what she does, like, she is a rebellious teenager. But she's not allowed to let her heart decide things. Yeah, but she's still doing it, like... You know, it's, Aladdin clearly doesn't know her when he's singing these lyrics, and she should be like, uh, fuck off, buddy, but she's not, because it's a romantic film. And then later, he's like, don't you dare close your eyes, and puts his hands all over her and stuff, and it's like, bitch, motherfucker, like, <laughs> Aladdin doesn't speak, Jasmine doesn't have such a potty mouth, but right. also he should be put, like, get your to, hands off me. To be clear, he doesn't put his hands all over her, he, you know... Takes, takes her hands Grabs. off her eyes like he doesn't Grabs a like, hold of both of her wrists okay but he doesn't like assault her on the carpet like this isn't like magic carpet sure. date rape like that's not what's happening here <laughs> it's not but it's there's a level of like confident douchebag with this just like oh don't close your eyes pay attention to this like it just is a little annoying just, <laughs> or as don't i said a, bitch don't motherfucker <laughs> Don't be afraid is all he was trying to get across to her. Don't you'll miss it if you're covering your eyes because you think, you know, this is scary. Like it feels like a very aggressive romantic song, which is not the best. Five minutes earlier, Jasmine literally said, I do not want to see you. And that means nothing in a romantic Disney film. So Aladdin just kept talking and walking up to her, you know, window and everything. But yeah, we do a lot of flying uh, in this uh, scene here. <laughs> yeah, flying yeah, all around do. to see see a whole new world. Like we go to the pyramids, and then we go to Greece, and then we go to China, uh, or at least it's implied that we do. There's a dragon on the ground. That's 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 where the the dragons are. Is over in China. How fast does this carpet fly? Is that where you're going with this? I like I did some math. <laughs> Um, no wonder she's covering her eyes. They're going light speed. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got some numbers here. Uh, uh, I, I had to guess on some of the specific locations. Uh, obviously, Arabian Nights. Uh, I I I centered us in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I picked Jeddah because that's the only city I know in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so we're gonna assume it's there. It could be. I think it's actually based on like Baghdad, but I don't know if that's technically still Arabia or not. not it's it. on not on the peninsula. So. I went with Jeddah. 
So yeah. uh, first Ag- thing you Agrabah do Agrabah is not is, a real place. You can't just Google it. Google uh, map Agrabah. It's not. It's oh, okay. fictional. Uh, so uh, going with Jeddah as a starting point to Egypt. And uh, I initially tried to do this on Google Maps, but spoilers, that doesn't tell you like as the crow flies to get there. You have to go on roads and shit for that. <laughs> so I had to find a different, uh, you know, application to get accurate here. Uh, accurate reads but from saudi arabia to giza egypt would be where the sphinx is right because we see the sphinx uh mm-hmm. that's 762 miles uh then we go to athens giza to athens is 698 miles uh then we go to china i didn't know where in china but i picked beijing which i think is probably the farthest away part of china they could have gone to but maybe i'm a little exaggerated on this one but athens to beijing uh 4732 miles and then we presumably go back to saudi arabia before the night's over at uh 4617 miles for that trip so adding them all up that's a total distance of 10,809 miles in one night uh so i you know let's say they did this in eight hours you know maybe they spent it was a real long date uh with a lot of travel time with no stops uh to go that fast they would need to travel at 1350 miles per hour on this magic carpet okay uh, which yeah i'm certain would cause them to experience a whole new world for sure definitely uh but i'm i'm gonna go with the carpet working with like santa sleigh powers and just either prolong <laughs> the night in, or in one yeah. night yeah don't question it <laughs> Uh, okay we'll see or they just have like knock knockoff versions of all those landmarks there in agrabah like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like las vegas uh, i was gonna say like in despicable me it's like we we captured the statue of liberty the small one from las vegas (laughs) (laughs) the only joke i remember from that movie or like uh cloudy with a chance of meatballs where the meatballs or all the food lands on the world's landmarks first and then (laughs) (laughs) um so in uh oh the other thing i was going to bring up is uh so we we definitely go to greece and china uh which is supposed to be like a hidden easter egg of what movies are we going to make next uh according to the internet because you know later on in the 90s we get hercules and mulan so i don't know if that was really intentional or if the internet's grasping at straws there but probably I think it's probably that they're just grasping like that they needed landmarks and couldn't do like the Eiffel Tower because that would have been way anachronistic. Fair so enough. like, you know, they needed things that would have been around at that time. So I don't I think it's a coincidence, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, so Jasmine has now figured out that uh, Aladdin is Aladdin, the street rat or the boy she saw in the marketplace. Uh, but he keeps lying and saying, no, I just go out in the marketplace. I'm really a prince and it's really OK. And since she does the same thing, she just kind of goes with it, scoots into him like, okay, like, is totally on board with this. Right. Even though he's still lying to her and will still be in love by the end of this movie, but it is kind of still based on a lie. But I think that's helped by the fact that it doesn't start with a lie. Like, it's not good when our love story involves someone uh, misrepresenting who they are from the start, and then that's just not a big deal at the end of it. Right, but the genie has been warning him all along. He needs to tell her the truth and just be yourself. Right. But I think it's helped immensely by the fact that they had that date in the marketplace to begin the film before he goes and gets, you know, his foot in the door with this prince wish. Um, That that, that helps. Which is why it's a little gentler. Genie's able to say, like, 
there's no reason to keep pretending like she it's already clear that she likes you she had a good time spending time with just you whatever she would play along if you said i'm a prince tell your dad i'm a prince so we can get married you know yeah that could have worked but jazz but aladdin is clearly lost as to what to do now that he's in this new world this whole new world huh (laughs) of you know royalty and expectations and responsibility and you know he can't just be the carefree market boy anymore like he's gonna end up being sultan with this marriage and we we haven't quite gotten to that scene yet where he finds this out and starts panicking but you know that's that's why he's not being himself yet because he doesn't know what to do and what to do without genie in this situation you know uh, but before that happens, he's got to get captured by Jafar and the guards who immediately knock him unconscious and bag him up and throw him off a cliff. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've got Owl lies again. She buys it. But problem for later. Uh, Jafar's men seize him and drown him. Wish for rescue. Jafar exposed. And that's the end of my notes for the whole movie. So <laughs> there's a lot after that. Also, but okay. like, he wishes for escape. Jafar ex- exposed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> I guess so. Um, well, one thing I was going to bring up first is uh, there's the obvious like, why don't you just fucking shoot him while he's on the crapper or whatever? Like you're have all this power, like you could just kill him. I feel like we sidestep that and all this like evil bond shit a little bit by saying he's captured by the guards and what Jafar says is. Uh, Oh, what does he say? I wanted the actual line. Oh, he says, make sure he's never found, which is a good way to sort of sidestep that because it's like, hey, don't just kill him right here on the grounds. Like, we might get caught doing that. Also, I'm Jafar. I don't want to get my hands dirty at all. Knock him out and throw him in the fucking river. Like, that works, and that's what they do. And it sh- it should have worked, clearly, but there's a magical genie involved. But that could be just a way to say, like, I don't know, he just disappeared. And that's less likely to get caught in that villain scheme than like, oh, lock him in a dungeon or whatever. Like the things dumbass villains normally do in these films. With Aladdin out of the way, Jafar is able to fully brainwash the Sultan uh, and say, hey, Prince Prince Ali is gone. You know, you've got to marry Jafar. He does have a real, a real shitbag line here from a heel where uh, Jasmine doesn't know what to say to this, and he says, oh, you're speechless, I see, a fine quality in a wife. It's just like, <laughs> okay, damn, dude. <laughs> that's that's clever, but also you're really a dick now. I didn't realize this was part of it. I thought you just wanted to take over the world. But of course, Aladdin returns and sees through, uh, exposes Jafar, as you said, destroys the staff and everything, uh, and it looks like, you know, the good guys are going to win here. But, of course, Jafar sees that Aladdin has the lamp and pieces it all together. So he survived. He escaped the Cave of Wonders. This is why he's a prince now. <clears throat> I hold all the cards now because I've figured this out and I'm going to get that lamp and win, basically. Which, since it's getting late and you already quit taking notes, we might should just jump ahead to that point. He gets the lamp and starts taking <laughs> shit over. Um uh, <clears throat> And, and and another important part is Aladdin and Genie start fighting because Aladdin's going back on his word about freeing him. Right. Aladdin knows he has to use his wish for something else and it, for maintaining his lie. Right. And, you know, after he's already promised to free Genie and Genie mopes about it. And then that's when Jafar gets the lamp or Iago gets the lamp for Jafar. Right. I do want an alternate version of this story where Iago keeps the lamp for himself and what things he would wish for instead. But Well, you get a lot more Iago in the sequel. Well, there you go. 
He's a very important to the plot of that one. I know we watched it a ton when we were little. I don't remember anything about it now, other than Jafar returns and <laughs> you got uh, that Robin from the title. Wade. Robin <laughs> Robin Williams doesn't. That's what I remember. <laughs> yeah, that's good points. Anyway, so Jafar wishes to become the most powerful sorcerer. First, he wishes on to Earth. be Sultan. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, Sultan right. first, then most powerful sorcerer. Right. I mean, he like raises Agrabah up in the air, mm-hmm. you know, um, very reminiscent of freeze. Yeah. D&D nerd villain from uh, DuckTales movie, uh, Mur- mm-hmm. Murloc. Yeah, I don't remember you know, his he name. He did the but same yeah. thing with his big castle. <laughs> I did like that, you know, our good guy with the lamp was being very careful and calculating and, you know, very planning and working around all of his wishes and stuff. He really only made one and he sneaked another one out of Genie and Genie made one on his own to save his life basically. But then the bad guy gets mm-hmm. the lamp and immediately burns through two wishes in a minute. Like right, I imagine the that's power what... hungry people would do that sort of thing. Right. What most of Genie's interactions with his previous masters have been like, like they get the lamp and know exactly mm-hmm. what they want or whatever. Like a prostitute that just gets stuck having quickies all the time. Like Right. And and I said right, and then didn't process at all what you said until right now. Oh right! Oh, right. oh no! Prostitutes. Okay. <laughs> what did I agree with? <laughs> it's getting late, y'all. Uh, I did like that. Uh, as as the bad guy is winning here, uh, Jafar does get to sing a little bit. I didn't really remember Jafar having. He doesn't have like a villain song, but instead he sings a heel like reprise of the prince ali song which uh like a true villain he just sing talks his whole way through it like there's no real singing involved but you know but it's good stuff and it's just him shit talking aladdin and you know revealing that he was a liar to jasmine this whole time and it's good stuff i don't think we've seen like the the heel version of the existing song it's like when it makes me think of like Eddie Guerrero's heel turn when he took his existing theme music and then just slowed it down for the heel version. Like, <laughs> but yeah, he's embracing it and just being the most, you know, upfront, uh, Dick that he can be, you know, he was an undercover Dick and now he's an upfront Dick. Like exactly. Cause he's been exposed and he has been, <laughs> uh, and he launches Aladdin and a boo and carpet off into, I believe he says the ends of the earth, which, uh, now that we know how fast this carpet can travel, uh, helps explain how Aladdin returns from the ends of the earth relatively quickly, it seems. I did the math on that one, too. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, to the to the North Pole. That's uh, 4,727 miles, which, uh, you know, with with the top speed he was reaching before, that's, that's about a four-hour flight, I think, <laughs> maybe three and a half, so he's able to return from up there. And so, yeah, he ends up in some snow covered place uh but is able to even though i don't know how exactly because we definitely show that carpet's like frozen solid but carpet is just able to fly him back somehow magic. uh i don't know how he revived magic him. there you go it's a magic it carpet. Is in the name uh then we cut back to jafar he's hornied up jasmine a bit with her slave outfit and he's got uh sultan like uh, dressed court, as a jester, jester in his underwear yeah. and He's hornied up Sultan a little bit too. <laughs> Yuck! <laughs> so what he, you know, you don't know what he's into. Guess that's true. So he tries to use his last wish on Jasmine to make her fall desperately in love with him, but he hasn't listened to Genie uh, and heard all the rules yet, and doesn't know about them. And 
<clears throat> because of that, he's getting frustrated and he's like, no, you're my slave. Do as I say, and all that kind of stuff. And while this is happening, hey, Aladdin's back and he's trying to sneak in and make the save and everything. So Jasmine plays along and pretends like she is in love with him so that Aladdin can yeah. sneak his way to the lamp. Seduces him a bit to distract him. And just as he's about to reach the lamp, yeah, Jafar catches him. Right. Well, she does end up kissing him, uh, you know, which kind of slows Aladdin down a bit, too. Just like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> or maybe, wait a minute, this is getting good. I better <laughs> hang out here for a little I bit. Yeah, I don't think that was his uh, attitude at all. Anyway, yeah, uh, Jafar turns around and sees Aladdin and, of course, proclaims, how many times do I have to kill you, boy? Which is also a pretty great line. Because he actually has attempted to twice already, and it hasn't worked three times already. So his new plan is, what if I'm a big snake? (laughs) Well, before that, we get some... His new plan is to embrace full cartoon villain here and start utilizing the greatest villain a weapon ha- or the greatest weapon a villain has, which is <laughs> puns. We haven't gotten this yet, but first we get uh, points at a Jasmine and goes, "Your time is up," and traps her in this hourglass that she's gonna die in, and then points at Abu and says, "Oh, I'm through toying around with you or whatever," and turns Abu into a clapping monkey toy and. You know, I think you'll get the point and throws mm-hmm. all these swords at Aladdin or whatever. It's like, we haven't gotten nearly enough of that out of these villains yet. That's like <laughs> some X-Men shit. You're out of time and locks her in the uh, hourglass. You may have said that, but you were frozen for a bit. Now you're frozen again, so we'll see. You have too. We're pushing the limits of Zoom. <laughs> What's good is if we're out of sync audio-wise, like, I can just edit to fix that. And I'll put in all the laughs right after when the joke happened and it'll work. <laughs> It'll just be a lot more effort in the end. it's genius. So she's got him locked up and everybody's miserable and then Aladdin uses his brain. Basically, yeah, he does. He turns into the big snake, which is good because uh, I I wrote shades of Maleficent here. Like, hey, we've got our Mm -hmm. villain. We're going to take him down with a sword, but we can't have the baby face just do that to a human. So let's turn him into a big monster first. Uh, And also it's, it's more dramatic to beat a big monster than it is to beat the regular villain who's just standing there. Right, just an old man. Right. Like And the Cobra visual is, you know, it makes a good climax. It's really inter- uh it's really exciting. So he, you know, tries to gloat over Aladdin and say, No, how can you defeat me? I'm the most powerful being in, you know, the whole kingdom or whatever. But Aladdin, of course, is like, No, you're not. You're you'll always be second rate compared to the genie. And then he's like, Well, genie, it's time for my third wish, and we get to see Genie you know, not understanding this and saying, like, why are you doing this, Aladdin? You're making it worse. Leave me out of this. Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, leave me out of this. Building the tension still, but he can't not do the wish. And then we get to see uh, Jafar turn into a giant red genie, which I always thought looked super cool uh, compared to, you know, happy blue genie. Here's this red genie with a mohawk and shit. It's not even a mohawk. It's a ponytail, isn't it? Here's this cool red genie oh, with a ponytail just, and shit. Just abs everywhere and muscles for no reason looking real dope and also i thought the black lamp was cool and this is all the reasons Mm. i watched return of jafar a lot uh so i wanted to see more red evil genie but of course he gets phenomenal cosmic power but itty bitty living space so he gets sucked into the lamp and drags iago with him and of course everything is just back to normal the you know palace lands back where it was supposed to be and everybody's cool again and by the way, we're going to let you guys get married. Jasmine forgives him. Yeah. Sultan's like, we can change the rules. We can- well, actually, uh, hey, Genie is like, 
hey, you can have this work, just make one more print, make one more wish, and you'll be a prince again, and this will all work out. But of course, good guy Aladdin is like, no, I made a promise, I'm going to wish for Genie to be free, which he does, and then, you know, Genie's all emotional about it, and then gets all excited and demands for Aladdin to wish for something just so he can scream, no, go fuck yourself, or whatever, and it's probably right. what uh, Robin Williams actually said in the booth that day, and then <laughs> it's like, gotta no, we need a probably different so. uh, read-through on that one. Uh <laughs> And also, guess what? <laughs> I don't know that we were trying to do it at the beginning, but or you know when we wrote this film the first time. But we perfectly set up a sequel here of just like we didn't our big bad guy didn't get killed or didn't get beaten by like slipping on a banana peel or whatever or like getting struck by random lightning. Like he got outsmarted and locked up and thrown away into the distance. But if he ever comes back, he'll be way more powerful. And you know that sets up. You know, who would guess George Costanza right. of all people would find him out in the desert and then we got our sequel. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then another direction to go with in the sequel would be like, what did Genie do while he was gone? Like, what's Genie like now that he's free? Like, mm-hmm. these are all reasons to come back for more later. Like, there's more to tell there. This isn't a like, you know, Bambi one and a half or anything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we didn't just pull something totally out of our ass like we would later do with all the other sequels. Um and yeah, that's the end. We go with the mega happy ending of, you know, Aladdin and Jasmine can be together, Genie's free, the bad guy's defeated, and we'll sing a whole new world again, and everybody have a good time. We get to do one more, like, self-referential thing of Genie right. saying he's going to Disney yep. World or whatever, or wearing a goofy hat. And, Does he yeah. actually say he's going to Disney World? I think he's just wearing the hat, didn't he? I don't think we go all, yeah, all the so. way in on that one, but... Well, they referenced that earlier, though, where, like, he does the little hand camera thing and says, you know, you've just got out yeah, of the whatever, what are you going to do now? Like, But that's the end, and yeah, I don't, I don't know what other praise we could say for this movie. It's still so goddamn great. <laughs> like, I feel like all the other films we've reviewed, even, you know, the recent ones, it's been like, yeah, it's great, but, you know, this part, the way they are about women isn't always the best. You know, Stockholm Syndrome in the last one, the love story isn't the best. <laughs> this one isn't, you know, they, they, there are flaws in this love story, too. It's not perfect, but it's still a step up from what we've seen. And the, the story around it is so goddamn entertaining that it covers up a lot of that, I'd say. Yeah, trying to find anything to take points off for uh, was difficult yeah, uh, for me. I'd say so. Um, so... We'll see that when when I read off the totals in yeah. just a little well, bit. Let's, let's get into it now. Uh, matters. Uh, I I ended up going with four and a half. Uh, everything moves so well. We're not going to re-explain the rubric now that we're on episode 20, 25, I think. On, like... Surely everyone's got it. We got six categories. Keep up. Matters, <laughs> which is the plot. Uh, it's two and a half hours into this fucking podcast. Like, we got to wrap it up. We haven't even done talking <laughs> snack yet, either. Oh, we're going <laughs> to. We'll I come alive exactly. for talking snack. Uh, four and a half for the matters. Everything moves so quickly and so well, and all the characters have something to do, and they all have proper motivation. Like, Genie's not just a side character. Like, his whole thing is crucial to the story, and the love story works, and for the most part, at least. You can argue that initially the characters just love what the other represents, uh, but the love story... and, and <clears throat> And the love story is sort of based on lies to start with, but it ends with both of them meeting in the middle and Aladdin being a good dude and vowing to be himself. And, you know, they both learned something along the way and it helps that they met before the lie and fell for each other before the lie. And then the lie allowed them to reconnect afterwards. Uh, And then he apologized for the lie in the end. So 
you know, I, I feel like if you're going to have deceit in your love story, like, those are all the steps you got to make to make it not feel so gross. And, and so, like, it's definitely, it's not perfect, but it's a step up from Little Mermaid of, like, we don't even know each other and I can't speak, but we'll fall in love and then you'll find out I'm a fish person. Like, it's a step up from that. Right. So, I went four and a half. I went with a four. Um, I had five and then thought about a few of the things that just sort of either fall into place a little too neatly or... Um, aren't real consistent mm. like with jasmine you know thinking her you know boy that she's into has died and then like it's totally like oh yeah it turns out he's not dead he's just yeah. pretending to be this guy like i'm not upset about that at all even though i was upset about right. it earlier and uh, that kind of stuff and yeah. like not being real clear on whether i didn't we even touch the treasure or not think about like, that you're totally yeah. right on that. So, point. I mean, minor things like the rest of the plot is is fantastic and moves at a good pace and, you know, doesn't drag at any point in the story. Um, but there are just little things here and there. And these are minor, minor yeah, things. Yeah, definitely. But I didn't want to give it a 30 out of 30, so. <laughs> well, music, it's definitely getting a 5 out of 5 for me. Um, I, I don't love every song on the soundtrack, but they're clearly all iconic and, like, I couldn't in good conscience take any points off and exclude it from the top tier group of Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Like, it's absolutely up there with them. And, yeah, that, that's that's a 5 out of 5 score. Yeah, I gave it a 5 as well. The, the songs themselves are great and they're catchy and they work in or out of the context of the movie, but they also accomplish their narrative goals and keep pushing the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe not whole new world, but everything else. Well, I mean, even whole new world, they're actually literally showing each other, each other's worlds a little right. bit. Um, yeah. Aladdin's <laughs> not being totally truth, truthful, uh, about his, but they, she does want to see a whole new world, a world outside of the palace or whatever, which he does provide for her. Um, they go on a, a world tour. <laughs> it's true at the speed of light. Uh, but they... <laughs> Each song, like I said, advances the plot or serves its its purpose. Plus, they're catchy and they're you know well delivered and definitely like so flawless music um, performance here. So five out of five. I didn't like. I, I'm assuming the one in the credits was the version that won the Grammy and was such a big deal. But it's the total like elevator music, like Michael Bolton version of the duet. Uh, it's it's rough. I had to turn it off while I was typing. So it's like this is too bad for me to pay to not pay attention to. <laughs> Like, I need to focus here. And then Meanie. Uh, <clears throat> I went ahead and gave Jafar, Jafar and Iago combo. We didn't talk about Iago a whole lot, but he's still entertaining no, throughout, even if he's not um, always plot important. But, you know, I, he's enjoyable. I mean, everybody loves Gilbert Gottfried, so there's no one put off by him at all, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I went with a five out of five. Jafar is perfect. He's uh, an absolute shitbag. Uh, he's ambitious. He's pulling the strings behind the scenes. He mugs for the camera. He's casually sexist. He's manipulative. Uh, and at the end, he becomes all power- powerful and scary in the role. And he doesn't lose by like slipping on a banana peel or something like he loses in, loses in a way that makes sense and keeps his heat for the sequel. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's great. That's five. Yeah, like Scar um, in the next movie. He has that voice right away that sounds evil, like you know from his first appearance, um, from the way he looks, but also from the way he sounds when he uh, first appears on screen, that this is definitely our bad guy. This is uh, a real villain and someone who's going to be uh, a lot to deal with for the the main characters in the story. Uh, Mm -hmm. Iago, you're right, we could have talked about him more. Um, Much like Robin Williams is playing himself, Gilbert Godfrey appears to be playing himself. Um, 
But even with that, and he has, we talked about him being kind of a silly sidekick like Smee was uh, to Hook or whatever, but he gets, he's the one that takes the lamp and he's the one that has the idea about Jafar marrying Mm -hmm. uh, Jasmine. And so like he is, you know, cunning in his own way. Like he's not just a minion, like he is contributing to this partnership. And something I realized the first time watching this film as a 30 year old uh, a few different times throughout the plot, he mimics another person's voice and does it exactly. And that he's a makes parrot. sense because he's a parrot. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it's just like, oh, that's a thing you can do, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, he's over there doing <laughs> Jasmine's voice and doing Jafar's voice. And it's like, yeah, okay, parrot makes sense. Uh, mise-en-scene, uh, I almost gave it the five, but some parts of that chase sequence are just a little rough. So I went with four and a half. Mostly the color palette is just so great looking. It's just bright blues and bright reds on top of each other and like golds of the castle and stuff. And it all looks so good. Carpet looks good, which I'm sure was a massive technological breakthrough at the time. Um, yeah, all the genie, like every time genie transforms into like, here's a celebrity, here's a dripping dead thing, uh, you know. Here's some sort of wacky physical gag happening with them. They all work. They all look great. Um, just really some of that early 90s uh, screensaver mode uh, CGI is just a little bit rough. So four and a half. Um, I had five at first and then changed it not for the the computer stuff, which I thought looked so much better than previous computer efforts that, you know, even if, like you said, it looked a little screensavery, it still looked way better than that. So I was still on board with that uh the only thing i took off for uh was the casting decision we made we talked about earlier where like sure. the voice acting in this movie is fine i mean it's great from certain characters and fine for our main characters probably um which is the thing of like you just casted you cast some white actors to do this and not even like overly talented ones like the mm. voice of aladdin is most well known for being dj's boyfriend on full house like (laughs) this is just that's that's the best we could do for this like surely Mm. we could have found somebody else for this um unless we were just going with you know grab the closest white guy and let's do this Um, yeah maybe he was apparently 17 when he did the voice of aladdin so i thought that was pretty neat no how about that and so you know i'm actually like age appropriate marked it off for those things but uh the performances from you know certain voice actors like uh, Iago and or not Iago, well him too, but I meant Jafar and uh, Robin Williams is great, but and then visually it looks fantastic so for the things you mentioned the color palette, the rug, uh, the carpet, um, the things Genie does, uh, Raja the characters like we didn't talk about this much either. Well, you did briefly mention the idea of having uh, animals that uh, can have a relationship with their humans but like never speak or whatever but they have personalities they're personified Um, well i mean in in abu's case he sort of halfway says words every now and then um where you can tell what words he means at least um but raja doesn't really do that but you can definitely tell how he's feeling at all times yeah you can see emotion you know concern that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's definitely well done um Next would be message. Uh, I, there's a lot to weigh here. I still ended up going with a four because uh, there are good messages in here about, you know, be yourself. But, it, you know, at the same time, if you don't be yourself, you could probably get away with it because that's definitely what happens. Uh, but that's all, that message is almost like fake it till you make it, which is also, you know, a useful message. But I don't know. That's really what they were going for. 
Um, but there's also stuff like people from different walks of life can still find each other and be together and society can adapt and change and allow new shit. And that's pretty good. And women can stand up for themselves and change things for the better. And, uh, also the message of like rich people get to do what they want, which is accurate. Um, but there's, there's good and bad in there, but I think it's heart was in the right place. And I went with four. Uh, I went with a five for message. Um, you've got the genie. Uh, serves mm-hmm. as the the mentor to Aladdin. Um, keeps telling him to tell the truth. Keeps telling him to to be be himself. Let Jasmine, you know, see him for who he is. She'll understand. She'll love you anyway. Could have gone a little further with that. If I mean, he basically just says tell the truth and be yourself. It doesn't really explain why that's the best thing for him to do. Uh, that would have made that even better. Um, yeah. And then the sort of like being able to. Uh, you know, have some empathy and appreciate uh, issues that others might have where, like, you might think Jasmine's life is fantastic because she's a princess and she can have everything she wants, but she the one thing she can't have is that she can decide things, you know, make her own decisions. And, like, you would think Aladdin might be miserable because, you know, he's having to steal to survive or whatever, and I'm sure that's not ideal, but he can, you know, go where he pleases clearly since he just drops in in people's houses when he's running away from the guards um so True. you know being able to appreciate other people's lives and you know without you know once you experience someone else's life you can uh find your own freedom and your own happiness or whatever that's also part of the message but uh, yeah i think you don't have as many of the message hang-ups that we've had on beauty and the beast and little mermaid of like giving up right. who you are Definitely. to be with this other person um it's only they only agree to be together once they are totally honest with each other and going forward she's not having to give up her life for him and aladdin's not having to give up anything to be with her and like yeah and this is outside of the, the film itself but like if you pay attention to the extended aladdin universe you get to see them just kind of be a couple for a while and just have a relationship like I think it's a plot point in the third movie that they're finally getting married or whatever. But, you know, in the show and in the second movie, they're just like together and having like date nights and that kind of stuff and also going on adventures and shit. So that's neat. All right. So that leaves us with magic, right? The magic. I mean, it's got to be five out of five, right? What else could you say? It's outstanding. Nobody doesn't love this film like. How can you say anything majorly bad about yeah, it? Yeah, I also gave it five out of five. And for reasons that we talked about earlier about it being a, a watershed and a turning point for what Disney does with it for better right. or for worse for what Disney does with its movies now and what it continued to do after right. uh, after this movie came out. Uh, right. But I think at the same, t- at the same time, like obviously Robin Williams is carrying a lot of this film, but like I, it obviously wouldn't be as, as big and successful without him, but like the story still works, even if he, you don't have this major charismatic star in there, like it's good in its own right. And then you add the, you know, greatness of Robin Williams on top of that. And it's like a can't miss formula for success. Right. And everything works well together. Like the music is great and it adds Mm into the plot and, you know, allows Robin the chance to riff and as he does in both of his, uh, you know, in Prince Ali and in, um, and in a friend like me or whatever, where he can, where he can, uh, do all those different impressions and voices, uh, in those songs. Definitely. And the villain is fantastic and, you know, makes you want to root for the good guys. And we get a female character who, you know, is 
different than the ones we've had before. Who She's not waiting for a man to solve her problems. Her problem is that she has to put up with a man to get what she wants. Like, she yeah. doesn't get to make her own decisions, and she's frustrated by that. Instead of, like, someday my prince will come, um, you know, or I'll give up my voice so I can have this man. Like, she wants to make her own choices. She may be, you know, one of the stronger female characters that we've had thus far. You know, at least on mm-hmm. the... Uh, on the good guy side, like we've had some strong villain female characters, but uh, for the sure. for the good guys, there's like Lady from Lady and the Tramp and Jasmine. Like I don't know, yeah. perhaps Bianca, Lady Cluck, right? From Lady Cluck and Robin Hood, and perhaps Bianca from the Rescuers. Like, yeah. although even still, she's all like shopping sequel, and shop. Say. Yeah, the sequel definitely. Yeah, the first one it's definitely you know just waiting on men to do stuff for. Her, but uh, the little girl, I guess, in uh, Great Mouse Detective, you know, yeah, she never That's gives good. up on her dad and pushes pushes Basil to save the day. The point is, we don't have a lot of strong female characters, and Jasmine could have just been a scantily clad, you know, princess who just serves to give Aladdin a goal for like the, here's why I want to be a prince but she gets to have her own personality and her own uh, desires and motivations yeah, along definitely. the way too and yeah so we're going to have some real high scores here I think uh, total in mine up uh, it's going to be 28 diamonds in the rough out of 30 yeah mine also adds up to 28 abubus out of out of 30 so it's rare that we give a movie the same score um and i think it's happened like once or twice before but it's pretty rare Mm -hmm. um and so 28 for both of us and really like i said before we started sharing our scores here like there's very little to critique this movie about like it is near flawless execution it's true and as such it's my new number one on my rankings uh aladdin is just just past Jungle Book at number two and uh, Beauty and the Beast at number three. It's number one for me as well, then Beauty and the Beast, uh, and then Little Mermaid, if I'm reading this right. That sounds right. Yeah. Who's going to fact check us anyway? <laughs> so, top of the heap at this point, and we got another classic coming in uh, the next canon episode that we do. We'll be headed for, the, uh, not the Jungle Book, The Lion King. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. We can talk about how much we already did that. Yep. How much we love Elton John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Matthew Broderick. <laughs> and Jonathan Taylor. To a l- much, <laughs> well, much lesser degree on Matthew Broderick, but <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's a big one to look forward to. Um, and so with that, yeah, we should probably just wrap this up now because goddamn, it's a real long episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> but thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, you know, you know where to find us on our socials and our email and uh, Twitter and all that good stuff. Uh, we're on the Spotify now. If you haven't checked that out, we got a YouTube page. I'm occasionally putting things on. Uh, share with your friends. Tell everybody how much you like us and uh, have a good day. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. Spread the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spread your butt. Speaking of uh, snacks. <laughs> never mind. Talking snack. Yeah, yeah. Talking snack. Yum, yum. Talking snack. Uh-huh. Let's talk about some snacks. Hey. So, talking snack. Ba-da-ba. Wow. Welcome back. Wow. Eat some snacks. I'm off key. And I am really getting sleepy. <laughs>
All right. I, I'm excited about this talking snack because it's a rare instance where you have given me a little preview on what you want to talk about. So I got a little. It's true. Did some brainstorming today. We, we could really just go down the list. Uh, number one, Little Caesars owes me money uh, and I'm not happy <laughs> about it. This is uh, a bit of an issue with ordering through an app, which is all I do at this point in my life because, you know, it's the future. Mm-hmm. It, things hit right. we should be able to just push buttons and get what we want so i did that for little caesars but i did it on you know probably day six of a big fucking blizzard that came through maybe you heard about it uh shout out to help everyone's doing okay in texas these days uh they had much bigger problems than us but clearly i didn't come out unscathed because on day six of the blizzard uh when the roads were clear again i put in an order for little caesars for lunch one day and then drove my ass over there to find out the whole fucking building was closed and there's no one in it and uh but i had already paid with my money and uh you know went to attempt to file a claim on the sort of thing but like little caesars doesn't give a shit like filing a claim's not a thing on the website you know, I've gotten sort of used to that because if you ever have issues with like your food delivery services, you know, your door dashes and your grub hubs and whatever, like the, hey, my order's wrong. Hey, fix this. Like they've very much built that in there and are very uh good about, I don't know if they're good. I'm, they're fucking over somebody along the way. I'm sure probably their workers. <laughs> um, But, you know, there's very quick like, hey, you got a problem. Sorry, we'll give you credit like this right away. Boom. Um. But the fast food places, they really don't give a shit. Like, you can leave a bad review, I guess. Maybe if you got some clout, you can call them out on Twitter. Uh, But I've followed through with everything I could think to follow through with, and they don't give a fuck about me. (laughs) So, (laughs) everybody go blow up Little Caesars and tell them to give Dudes Watch Disney 20 bucks. He means blow up their their socials. He's not actually advocating that. Fair enough, yes. (laughs) Let's clarify that. Yes. Oh, Please. God, if there's it's not any... asking you to firebomb Little Caesars. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Uh, so they won't like, because I've canceled orders before through the app. Like, that's not a, it's not a no, thing. I was going through and it'd be like, right after it happened, it was like, this is your active order or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want it to be. I want to cancel the motherfucker. But that wasn't a thing. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I wanted to go like, uh you know, go to like past orders, but I had to wait for it to stop being a current order. And then at some point it just timed out. Mm. Like you must've gotten this food, I guess. And I had to be like, I didn't get the food. (laughs) And it's like, we'll fill out our survey. And then the survey is not like write in an essay of what went wrong. It's like, follow these yes, no questions. And then it's like, well, how did you pick up your food? And I want to say like, motherfucker, I didn't, it wasn't there, but it's like, no, I had to click on like, I did the pizza portal. And then in the comment section, be like, I actually didn't get any food. This is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it it was a thing but at the same time it's like i don't know what are they really gonna do like i clearly i have the little caesars app what am i gonna do not eat little caesars in the future like they don't give a shit they know i'm clearly a customer that's gonna come back so i don't expect anything to come of it but now now that we got all of you know dudes watch disney nation behind us like well sure yeah, yeah. there's gonna be a great change We'll see. So that was item one in Jake's talking snack. Well, I could transition that into app failures in general. Like, mm, uh, I got one. Yeah. From earlier today. Like, oh, no. So the last few times we tried to get Burger King, like places where we have gotten it before, for whatever reason, 
will not be accepting online orders at that point or whatever. So that's dumb. Today we got ready to have Burger King. We left the house at eleven, uh, and we I get in the car and my wife tells me we have to go to not the closest one, but like really <laughs> the furthest one away um, in neighboring city, like because they don't accept the online order. <laughs> sure, mm-hmm. that is a long drive. It is. So then we get there, and uh, they've got the double. Uh, drive through, which normally is very nice. Um, you know, you got two places to order. They alternate back and forth, at least in theory. And so we pull up. Uh, we're in the far one, and someone pulls up in the near one at the same time. Dude tells both of us to wait. Cool. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Then he takes their order before ours. Fine. Whatever. Because you got to tell them that you're there, right? We didn't do curbside. We did uh, drive through because we don't trust the Burger King curbside from previous experiences. So they right. go through whatever another car pulls into that their spot on the near side it's it's our turn now right far side no dude takes the order of the new person on the near side and so we're like well that kind of sucks and so they go through another car pulls up on the near side he takes their order still doesn't (laughs) deal with us and that's when she's like you got to drive off and i thought she meant leave what she actually meant was go to the window just go to the window forget drive through drive through yeah because you already so, curbsided right all you gotta well, do is no, say I, i'm I ch- here right You're yeah i chose drive through yeah right, right but yeah. that's what i meant mobile order yeah. i should have said yeah and so i did that and so i'm sitting there and i'm like i don't want to like talk to them at the window and go through this and i don't want to do this like in a jerky way and i don't want to make them mad and have them spitting our stuff like let's just cancel it and go somewhere else so we did after we've driven however long to get there and then sat that well, long. Sure. There are other yeah. options in the area though. So we leave and we go to the Zaxby's, which has a line all the way around the building. Mm. Um, so we sit in that line for a while and we get almost to the thing. And I say, well, what, what would you like from Zaxby's? And she says, Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we leave the Zaxby's after being in that line. At oh, this point, God it's damn. after 12. Um, so this we're over an hour into this and still have no food. Um, and so we go to go towards another Burger King, and she's tried to get, tries to get that to work on her app. Um, and it acts like it's going to work, and at the very end, like, hit enter to make it go. That button's grayed out and won't go, and so, so stuck again. And so then, uh, since we were already headed for the whatever that one would be the like it doesn't the matter other burger king <laughs> yes um anyway we just stopped at the david's at that point and <laughs> ate there mm. instead which was really good uh, yeah but it was a lot but so that still. was almost one o'clock by that point so two hours after we left the house um we finally got so, lunch am i right in guessing that you had fast food for two meals today then uh well yes because we yeah we had mcdonald's <laughs> tonight as well good deal I mean, we went to uh, Sonic twice after we got home from school yesterday, where, like, we had our traditional <laughs> uh, popcorn and Sonic drinks or whatever, which is expanded to popcorn, Sonic drinks, pretzel twists, and mozzarella sticks <laughs> each week. Nice. Um, and then, and then last went back night, for dinner, dinner. <laughs> no, no, went back to get ice cream after that, yeah, where we got the new... Well, there's a good transition. Yeah, where we got the new Big Scoop uh, cookie blast or whatever, which my blast order for at least the last year... 
has been the Oreo Blast Add Cookie Dough. So I would like them to name this blast after me. I feel it's the least they could do um, <laughs> since they have taken my idea. And granted, they've expanded upon it by adding the big cookie dough bit. But um, yeah, I want this to be called, yeah. uh, you know, the Dustin. The Dustin Blast. <laughs> the Dustin Blast. <laughs> Sure, everyone wants to be a part of that. Yeah. So anyway, I tried it last night, and of course it's good because it's my thing. But uh, you said you had thoughts on it. Well, I mean, I, I, I my only real thought was going to be it just it seems like too much. You know, there's a lot going on there. I like my ice cream to be smooth and not overly chewy. Uh, I feel like there would be a lot of chewy. I'm not big on cookie dough and in, in ice cream and to begin with, but uh, I also have not actually <laughs> tried it, so I don't know. This is all hypothetical. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so I told Jake that I wanted to talk about this uh, blast or whatever, and he texted me back, is that the blast my wife tried? Uh, how would I know? <laughs> like uh, That thought just traveled from my brain to my fingers before I could stop it, basically. And it was just like, I know you don't know this, but like that's <laughs> what I meant. Right. Ugh. Yeah, um, we don't, yeah. She doesn't have like a food journal that she sends to me and like... <laughs> There are some apps I've noticed that hit a lot, though, um, particularly Wendy's, because I'm using that one a lot more lately because the Wendy's in my area just added the curbside. Used to, you could mobile order, but then still had to go through the goddamn drive through which is annoying. Uh, but now they got the curbside going, but they tricked me today <laughs> because I always park and then like use move my little side mirror to where I can see where the exit to the building is. But um, they went out a different exit, so they snuck up on my window, and I felt scared. I and do dumb. hate that. I like to <laughs> I like to park where I can see the doors. So exactly. I know when they're coming. Um, but, in case I'm doing something embarrassing. What's good about the Wendy's app is you can they have deals on there like most apps, but they also give you reward points. So you can use a deal and a reward a reward redeem or whatever at the same time, uh, which is, that is nice. the best because I got 10 free nuggets and a free small fry today <laughs> and, you know, food that I paid for to go with that because I'm a fat ass. But it was a good time. Yeah. I mean, most most of them offer um, rewards and you know they all should i don't understand why exactly. they don't um sonic especially because we spend a lot of money mm-hmm. in sonic uh the most complicated reward system i know you probably don't use this one that much because you don't have one near you is the chick-fil-a reward system but mm-hmm. there are tiers to it the more money you spend you move up through the different color tiers okay and so um uh, like i am oh, i clicked away from it i'm a silver member um well well it goes I forget what the entry one is. I'm trying to look now. Um, but at silver, $1 equals 11 points. Oh. Um, and then the, at, when you get to red, it's $1 is 12 points or something. And like it gets... So the more money you spend over time, um, and you get a whole year to move up or whatever, uh, <laughs> then, then the more stuff you get. And so like... And it's pretty quick to to earn more points. Like one breakfast trip, and it's already like time to to cash in again Mm -hmm. so like currently i have 788 points that i could redeem and if i were going to uh, a chocolate chunk cookie is 200 points so i could get Mm. you know three of those three cookies uh hash browns 200 points kids ice cream cup 200 points brownie 300 points fountain drink 300 kale crunch side i didn't if that's true but i don't know what i didn't even know they offered kale crunch side yeah small or medium uh waffle fries 
uh, or 300 four count chicken minis 500 chicken biscuits 500 chicken sandwich is 600 my breakfast is a thousand points there i know well i've been getting the uh 10 count chicken minis Mm-hmm. Uh, to split i'm not eating 10 ca- but you know additionally getting a spicy biscuit 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 <laughs> spicy <laughs> spicy biscuit and uh hash rounds too but yeah. nice man chick-fil-a is great and you're making me hungry and i don't have chick-fil-a near me <laughs> i double could well get tomorrow's tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow's sunday anyway yeah um, have you tried the new detroit pizza hut thing I have not. I've seen dish. the commercials. The dish dust. Uh, to said. me, the deep dish. It looks. I mean, I haven't tried it, but in the commercials, it looks like a less, a more expensive and probably less good version of the uh, the Caesar's deep dish, which I enjoy. I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, it, it was good. It wasn't the best, but it, it, the sauce is different. It's a different sauce. In case you're expecting normal Pizza Hut sauce, it's a different thing. Um, it, I think it's like a roasted red pepper kind of thing to it. There's like a smokiness, which was I was not expecting, but wasn't it wasn't unpleasant, you know? Yeah, but, I don't uh, I don't love Pizza Hut in general. Yeah, like I the last that. time I got it, I don't remember where we were, but like we got it, and we were like, that was really good for Pizza Hut. Like, what hmm? was different about that? <laughs> um, but who's to say? Because usually like, I go, man, Pizza Hut's really good, and then I get it, and I go, oh, actually. <laughs> I did. I mean, uh, I know have... some people are are snobs about Little Caesars too, and like think yeah. it's just the worst pizza. Where I feel like it's pretty darn good, and especially for right. the price. Like, here's the deal: they don't make bad pizza. Like, it's all fine, <laughs> and if it's good, it's good. Well, you know? that's true. I had Domino's recently, which has never been a staple in my life because I've never lived close to one. Um, I guess when we I we have a Domino's in... in town now. Oh, really? I guess when mm-hmm. I lived in the town you're adjacent to, I could have gotten Domino's delivered, but never did then. Um, mm-hmm. That would have been really the only time. But uh, Domino's, I don't really know enough about what was their regular thing and what is it now, but they did a whole marketing campaign about, like, our pizza sucks, we're changing it, and all that shit. Um, right, yeah. I went there because I had a gift card, and, like, it was really good. Like I got, And they were nice to me, and I got a bunch of good stuff, and, you know ate it for two days and it was good stuff i'd used up my whole <laughs> gift card in one trip because like why wouldn't i it was like a 20 dollar gift card so i was like well i'm not gonna go again to spend you know 250 so let's pile on some like two liters and breadsticks and stuff and use this thing up <laughs> one of my notes just says quarter pound hot dogs which i had for dinner <laughs> this evening uh i've also discovered it's the only kind the kosher ones yeah do you get in the hebrew national no, I don't know. I think it was Oscar Mayer that we got, but mm-hmm. the point is they're good, and I don't really intend to buy any other kind of dog now. It's like uh, double stuff Oreos. See, it's like, well, why do you even make the regular yeah. ones? Or like when I decided I made t- too much money for cheap pickles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's how far I moved up in the world. I'm not wasting time with these Kroger brand thin ass. You can read through them pickles. Like, <laughs> yeah, give me, give me some it's real true. pickles. You need the mini stuffers. That's what I get uh, by mm. whatever brand that is. I like the hamburger ovals. mini stuffers. Mm. Yeah, the ovals are nice. Those are good. I remember Colton's would always have those when I would eat burgers and nothing else there growing up. I was thought yeah, it was I fun. like uh, I like to go a high pickle ratio on my burgers, <laughs> and I put it on like a like a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich too. Um, Do you ever put pickles and jalapenos on a burger? Because I've done that. Uh, not on a burger, but my standard order at the, uh, Subway. I usually get pickles and, and jalapenos on it. 
I'm sorry. What was that word? <laughs> that's that's not how you say that word. Jalapenos. Jalapenos. Um, <laughs> Spicy. How do you feel about Sam's Club uh, or Costco uh, people around in other places? Yeah, have that? have not been to one since I was like ten. Um, we got one in the neighboring city. And we went to go sign up for a card and it took forever and like half the registers weren't open and this was several years ago now, but half Mm. the registers weren't open and I was like, oh, so it's just fucking Walmart because fuck this. Like, (laughs) so I was like, this is everything that I hate about Walmart and like, well, and then I I never went back. um, Sure. We always self-check everything. There's room to do that there. Well, I no, never this was a real register. To get the, uh, to get the oh, damn membership, because we'd never I gone I remember before, that taking so a while, but... They, like... Yeah. Right. But we waited forever and never got seen. Well, we were there for like 35 minutes before I was like, they're not going to see us. Like, I've got other <laughs> shit to do. Like, let's just yeah. go. Like, Fair enough. Uh, well, the good thing is we just went and I have so many stupid fucking snacks in this house now. It's the best. That <laughs> feeling is the best. So Sam's Club is, the you know, a whole lot of fun. But at the same time, it's not always the best because, like, you can get a lot of a snack. But if you want a specific snack, you might be fucked. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I eat a lot of, like, um, like these, oh, what's the brand they're like all nature valley almond bars but i also like the peanut bars and i also like the dark chocolate chocolate chip bars and so like if i want a variety Mm -hmm. there's a variety pack that's like you know 36 of them or whatever at my local grocery store but if i want to buy 64 of them uh they only have just the almond at the sam's club and like i like specific sodas i would love to buy a fuckload of sprite zero and like caffeine free diet coke but you won't find those there you might find regular sprite and regular diet coke so when you have these specific needs you're not going to get it is the problem we've only used it once so far but they've got that other uh delivery deal that goes that does sam's club and uh trader joe's or whatever it was pretty sweet mm-hmm. like we don't have to actually go and deal with the like in-person aspect of it like just have right. all the shit waiting on your porch it's pretty awesome that does sound dope we haven't looked into that yet that's pretty cool and you get it same day um speaking of variety packs we recently purchased a uh bag of big bag of m&ms that has three different types of peanut m&ms like it has a Milk chocolate peanut M&M's, dark chocolate peanut M&M's, and white oh. chocolate peanut M&M's all in the same bag. Like, I didn't know um, they did, they broke out in that much variety with the peanut ones. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know about the white chocolate ones, but the dark chocolate peanut ones are fantastic. Is that so? Mm-hmm. But in, in that bag, they all kind of taste the same. They're not that far off um, from each <laughs> other. Like, And I'm maybe because sure. I'm eating them by the handful and not like trying to figure out, oh, is this a white one? Is this a dark chocolate one? I don't know. Like, just... Right. <gasps> When they're all in your mouth at once, who gives a shit? It's like when people were mad about... That's what I I have often said that. (laughs) (laughs) And how about we just wrap it up on that one? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We pretty much made it through my list. (laughs) When they're all in your mouth, who gives a shit? Good night, everybody. (laughs) Oh, dudes.